Why, you stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder! Hello, Herd. I am your Herd leader, John Wayne. Hi. I'm your Herd mom, Megan. Okay. You were trying to steal my my intro there for a second. Yes, I was. Uh, well, either way, I'm me and she's her. And welcome to another episode of the Nerd Herder main show. Uh, this week, we're doing something a little differently than we had planned. Hope, oh, first of all, hopefully, uh, I'm coming through on this recording well, I'm sure if I don't, that Rebecca will quickly let me know, which we do appreciate that. Um, apparently last week, for some reason, the mic didn't want to record me very much. But hopefully you can hear me well this week, because we have a good show, and there's going to be a good bit of us both talking um, this time. So Otherwise, it'll just sound like Megan talking to herself, which I'm sure if I did leave, she could do that, and I just fine. And you'd still have an episode. This but, would be... The, uh, why I love Sleepaway Camp so much. <laughs> you can just find something to talk about. Um, but, uh, today, originally we were, uh, scheduled to record with Ben Knight and to do a show where we kind of talked to him about his, uh, sort of geeky, uh, rap career and whatnot, but unfortunately we weren't able to make it work out our originally scheduled time to record didn't work, and there was no alternative, unfortunately. Uh, So instead, um, you have this. Uh, This time we're doing something normally exclusive to Patreon. We're doing our 10 Things We Love About series, and this one is about The Phantom Menace. Um, It was something that was supposed to come out a while ago, didn't quite work out. We'll explain that later. But essentially, just rest assured that there's a great episode ahead of you, especially if you like The Phantom Menace. But if you don't, then perhaps us running down our favorite things about probably the lesser-loved Star Wars movie until The Last Jedi came along, uh, maybe it'll help you love The Phantom Menace a little bit more. And by the way, that comment wasn't to insinuate that I think that The Last Jedi or The Phantom Menace is lesser than. That's just kind of the opinion, unfortunately. Um, But I think what you'll find in this episode is that we like The Phantom Menace. And if you haven't discovered by now, we like The Last Jedi. We like all of the Star Wars movies. Um, So, uh, hopefully if you don't like it as much as we do, uh, something today will attract you to or help you think about it uh, a little bit differently or see things or think about things. Um, that you hadn't already before, or something. Hopefully, the, the the point of doing these kinds of things isn't like a review or commentary, but as a way for us to share what we love about it, uh, in order to hopefully help someone else love it more or love it uh, for the first time. Love so, um, this isn't so much to uh, do to treat the whole quality of the film, um, but. Anyway, we'll get into all that in a bit, but before we get to that, of course, we have news to run down. A few few exciting things, actually. Um, so, looking forward to that. Megan. Yeah? Since you've been so quiet, are you ready for the news? I am so ready for this news, you have no idea. Good. I, what? 
You okay. have no idea, John. I don't have an idea. So I don't many know what you're talking about. News. Okay. Well, to the news. Hey, John. Hi. Do you like news? I do. How 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 do how do you feel about I, news? I like it. How about Patreon? You like Patreon? I do like Patreon. Are you a patron? I am a patron and I'm a Patreon creator. I don't know. I support and I create. We create. We create? Yes. So, we have news about Patreon. Yes, we do. Yeah, we do. Not so, all of Patreon. Yeah. Well, just just ours. It's a solid website. Probably used... No, they probably didn't use Squarespace. But we're not sponsored by Squarespace, so I don't know why <laughs> I mentioned that. I was updating my Squarespace while sitting on my squatty potty. While updating... <laughs> um, wait a minute. Hold on. While listening to my audiobook from audible.com. While... Uh, I looked at Bolin Branch sheets. Did I get all of them? I don't know. I think I... Oh, no. And eating a plate from Blue Apron. Oh, only there one of go. those pizza people is a sponsor of ours. So. I listen to far too many podcasts, <laughs> Yes. Way too many. Clearly. Too many. And did you know... Did you know that we have Patreon, John? I, I do. I, I manage that. Seems like a lot of people don't. Mm, yeah. Shade. Even though we talk about it in every episode. Yeah, so... <laughs> But, I'm sure they know about it. Yeah. Something for you. Me? No. Oh, them. Them. Okay. Microphone. Microphone people. Microphone people. So, we have a Patreon crema giveaway. A, a what? A crema giveaway. Crema? Merry Chrysler. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Uh, a giveaway will be decided through a trivia contest on the 21st of December. That's next Friday, y'all, so you got time. Mm-hmm. And the winners will be announced on the 23rd, next Sunday. We will have two levels to give to the giveaway. We will have a giveaway for Patreon followers and one for supporters. Yay! So, we only need five people in each category to ensure that the contest can happen, though. So, hop, skip, and jump over to Patreon or, you know, get on your computer click on it, I guess. <laughs> um, so, that just means five people who follow us on Patreon and stay up to date on what's happening, and then five people who are awesome enough to support us with a $1 a month pledge. Or more if you're feeling extra generous. Yeah. I mean, we got cats to feed people. Cats to feed, cats to send to college, all that good There's stuff. There's one. There's one right now. <laughs> yeah. Tell them. Tell him, baby. So, um, that is a total of ten awesome people who would be in the running for a really cool Christmas Nerd Herder goodie basket. Yeah. And, as a thank you, and a celebration of our 50th episodes. That's, that's right now. That's right now. That's right now. We've been doing this for 50 episodes, John. We have. Still not good at it. Well, not this show. <laughs> all of, all, all of all our of episodes it. collected. Yes. Um, everyone who goes over and leaves a review on our podcast over on Apple Podcasts between now and next Sunday will also be entered for a giveaway. So, yeah. all you gotta do is just go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if it helps, think of these three things. So the Patreon following, supporting, and then the review leaving. If you just look at that all as, like, tickets for the giveaway, so yeah. um, doing w each of those things 
basically puts your name on the list once for the giveaway. Uh, when we do the trivia contest, ultimately, that's a way to get more tickets, quote-unquote, meaning that your name will show up um, more frequently on the list, meaning your chances of getting the uh, Christmas giveaway goes up. So, for instance, if you support us uh, with a dollar a month pledge on Patreon, then you have one ticket, and but if you don't participate in the uh, trivia contest, you still have that one ticket, but if you do participate and say you get two out of five questions right, that means technically you have three tickets into the giveaway, if that makes sense. Makes sense to me. So, um, you, it can be one or the other, uh, because if you support, then that's one, uh, way to enter. Following us on Patreon is one way to enter, and then leaving a review for us on Apple Podcasts is a way to enter. If, if you do all three, only one is technic. uh, well, if you do the Apple review and if you follow us on Patreon, you get two, or if you do the Apple review and you support us on Patreon, you get two. But if you follow us and support us, technically only one of those can count, if that makes sense. You can only count in one category as a follower or supporter. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. Hopefully so. We're trying to make it as straightforward as possible. But we're also trying to make sure that uh, there's a little bit of fun to it and everything. So, um, yeah. If you want to be a part of that, if you want to get in the running for a cool little uh, nerd herder goodie basket, uh, then all you have to do is do one of the three things, or all of it. Um, but just, again, by supporting us, you're inadvertently following us as well, so yeah, you count as one or the other. Um, either way, just go check it out. There's a post on Patreon that details it as well that will hopefully help if we were confusing at all. Um, but hopefully it makes sense. Hopefully uh, you'll uh, look into it, give it a shot. Uh, we want to be able to thank uh, those who support us, and this is a way to do that. Uh, and the best part is, is if you support us, then it's only a dollar a month. And not only do you get the goodie basket, but you get all the other monthly goodies that come with being connected to us on Patreon and everything. Yeah. And so just five folks supporting and following us or 10 doing everything however many but for yeah. it to work uh we decided we would uh just do a minimum of uh five in each category to kind of justify doing it yeah rebecca needs some friends over there guys yeah Come on. right right now rebecca's winning the uh patreon christmas giveaway so yeah good job rebecca <laughs> <laughs> all right so now that we've accosted you with patreon we do some gaming news, John. Sure. How do you feel about games? I like games. You like you do you, do you like video games? I do. What what's your favorite video game? Uh, like all time, like yes, all encompassing. I was thinking you would say the name of the video game that we're specifically talking about, but, but now I'm my, curious. But it's not my favorite. What's time. your favorite? Ratchet and Clank Three up your arsenal. Wow. Mm-hmm. Specific. Yeah, it's my favorite Title Ratchet and, and Clank everything. game. Yeah. It's a good game. If you've never played the Ratchet and Clank series, play the Ratchet and Clank series. It's really fun. It's a PlayStation exclusive, so if you've got an Xbox, you need to go buy a PlayStation. But it's worth it. It's a great game series. There's 11 games total. 
I don't even know what my favorite game would be. I mean, I like Skyrim, but mm-hmm. it's not my favorite. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a tough question. But I do like Battlefront, if that was what you were insinuating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was getting at. So, some news from Battlefront. You told me about Because that's the this. only Star Wars game right now. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Well, there are others. We just... There, there's no news about, you know... Well, this is the Lego only... Star Wars. This is the only ongoing canon game. Well, yeah. This is the only ongoing canon game right You're trying now. trying to tell me that Lego Star Wars is a canon? It is not canon, because they're Lego. Aw, oh, beans. Alright. So, you told me about this glitch. There is... There was a spawn glitch that was happening in Battlefront, which gave some players a very unfair advantage. Uh, well, it's not so much advantage. They got a whole lot of reward for average gameplay. For spawning. Uh, essentially. So, yeah. um... Basically, they recently put in squad spawn, meaning instead of spawning from a default point and having to run to the battle, you can spawn where another member of your team is. Yeah. Uh, And what they did was, if someone spawns to your location, you get rewarded for it because, obviously, that means you're still in the gameplay. They're not. You deserve a little bonus. Usually, it's about 100 credits um, for that. If it's multiple people, it can go up to, I think, about 400. But uh, for some reason, I don't even know how it works, but for some reason, uh, people were getting thousands and thousands of credits. I mean, I played, it happened to me once. I've never experienced any other glitch that's been dealt with through Battlefront, but this one I've experienced randomly. I didn't trigger it or do anything. People were just spawning on me, and I was getting about 20,000 credits each time. Um, you know, I mean, I, I have no idea why it happened or how, but essentially I just got a bunch of credits. And it's not like it's a glitch where it's like, oh, it says you get 40,000, but you don't really, no, you get those credits. You level up if you, um, get the, uh, you know, with the points and all that, like, it, it counts, it's real, uh, which is why it's so difficult, because some people, I've seen screen caps of some people with 500, 600,000 points at the end of a match. It's ridiculous. So, um, hope for, so first of all, if you still see this happening, be careful about reporting accounts and users. Please. I saw several people on Twitter getting up in arms and starting a revolution about wanting to basically, you know, parade people through the streets for this glitch. Not everyone that it's happening to is an exploitation. Mm-hmm. Like me, it was an accident. I have no idea how it happened or why it just happened. And if somebody had reported me for it, I could have lo- lost all of my game data for something I did not intend to do. Please don't go around reporting every account that you see getting those points just because you're bitter. Yeah, Greg. Don't ruin somebody's day like that. The best thing is to just leave it be. Ben Walk and the team over at EA know about it. They know what they're doing. Hopefully this patch takes care of it. Um, And if you still see it, just reach out to EA Star Wars or Ben Walk on Twitter. Both of them are very active with engaging with people. And if you let them know that the problem is still persisting or that you're still seeing it, they will engage with it and fix it. But there's no reason to go and ruin somebody's day because they got more points than you and you're bitter. You don't know if they meant to do it or not. There's no way for you to know or to be able to work out, okay, did they mean to or was it an accident? So just don't try. 
don't bother with it. Let it go. Just, you know, I, 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 I know I'm kind of on a soapbox, but it just really got me upset that somebody was calling out innocent people for something they had, they didn't mean to do, like, they didn't ask to get the points. They just got the points. There's nothing they can do about it. Mm-hmm. And reporting them for it is not fair. So, in anyway, I'll leave it at that. Hopefully, though, as you mentioned, the patch should be fixed. If it's not, reach out to EA Star Wars on Twitter or any one of the other team members like Ben Walk or something like that. They they will handle it from there. Yeah. Don't reach out to PlayStation. All they'll do is block people or, or remove game data. Basically, there's no, no happy ending there. You're the bad guy. Yeah. Don't call hacks on someone who didn't intend to do it. Sometimes it's just a glitch, guys. Anyway. Sometimes a guinea pig is just a guinea pig. <laughs> yeah. That's not the phrase, but I like guinea pigs better than cigars. Um, so, also in Battlefront news, today, today's the day, John, General mm. Kenobi is in the game. Yes. Yes. He is 40k credits. Yep. Yeah. Which is all I actually have in, um... Yeah. In Battlefront right now. Aww. I just haven't been playing as much as I should be. Uh, think it really I only have that much because of the double experience weekend. I mean, I, I know I said credits earlier. You're not getting rewarded credits. You're re- rewarded battle points. Oh. And then that's translated into credits. You still earn a, like I still earn two thousand credits in a game because of the points glitch. But um, yeah. It, so I only have. 40,000 credits right now, which means I can either afford the clone skins or the new Obi-Wan skin, and I'm really debating because I'm probably going to use the clones more. As much as I love Obi-Wan Kenobi, I still don't like playing heroes and versus villains or anything like that, so I don't think I'm going to enjoy it as much. Hmm. Just to be honest. I mean, it's one of those things I might get eventually. I'm in no rush, though. Someday. It looks great, though. I really love the look of the Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan, in the uh, Clone Wars clone armor design. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool blend. Yeah, that's something that we didn't really get to see. Yeah, I mean, there's been a couple of artistic representations, but nothing mm-hmm. nothing like... Th- this looks, obviously, you know, the graphics are really good in this, so it's, real, it's a really good capture of uh, Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan in what we're used to seeing in a cartoon, you know, the, the armor and whatnot. Mm. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool blend. John, I thought of my favorite game. What? Stardew Valley. Good job. That's my favorite video game, I think. Neat. But Animal Crossing. Um, anyway, so uh, Hero Stamina and Com- Combat has been slightly updated as well to give a more tactical feel rather than the pure hack and slash. We'll there, see. we'll see. There will also be events throughout the month of December. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I didn't list them in the script because I couldn't tell exactly <coughs> when they're happening. Sorry. The update, um, the dates weren't very clear. I couldn't tell if it was saying it was between date A and B, or if it was saying it's date A and date B, mm-hmm. or what. None of it made sense, so I figured. Just mention it's happening, and if you're interested to find out what events are happening, go check it out on the community transmissions. I tried to figure it out, and I couldn't figure it out, so yeah. I'll leave it up to you to figure out. Mark your calendars. I'm usually 
absent <laughs> for all of the events, so I usually don't bother. Yeah. That always ends up happening, because it's weekend events, and usually weekend is when work picks up or when we're on vacation somewhere, so. Darn job. Yeah. Darn family. Life. Um, so, in today's community update, Ben Walk teased that we might, that we are getting armored clone officers in 2019, early 2019. Yeah, he didn't give a date, but he teased it, uh, and he showed a render. Uh, we saw two renders, one of a, uh, the 104th Wolfpack and also of the 327th Star Corps, uh, so the gray ones and the yellow ones. Um, from what it sounds like, the defaults will be available for that. Essentially, it just armors your clone officer. As of right now, they wear they wear officer's fatigues, which is pretty cool because you get to see Tamora Morrison's likeness and all, but it's not really accurate. Um, and so uh, now you can add the armor to your clone officers, which is cool, um, but only the basics are free. The rest you'll probably... I hope they do a bundle, um, but I'm sure it'll be cheap. I'm sure it'll be like 20000 a piece, and they may yeah. do a bundle where you get one free. Do you get to see du uh, Wolf with his dumb reverse mohawk thing? He doesn't have a reverse mohawk. Well, he has the two mohawks. No, that's Gree. You're right, that is Gree. Wolf has regular hair because he they isn't crazy. Huh? No, I'm joking. Well, that's why they have weird hair, some of them. <laughs> it makes no sense, but though. But seriously, Gree, like, what you, are you you'd doing? You'd think there'd be regulations for that sort of thing. <laughs> this should be abolished. I don't know. Uh, so, comic news, John. Yes. So, the we new... finally have some. Yeah. The new Vader series was announced. Yay! Yay! Well, we need we'll to figure see. out how to add applause in this. Uh, likely... Thank you. Thank... Oh, thank you. You're too kind. Uh, likely replacing Windig's Shadow of Vader series will be Darth Vader, Dark Visions. Um, and it will take readers to the darkest parts of the galaxy. Okay. Places where the mysterious anti-hero... Anti-hero? Who calls Vader an anti-hero? No, nobody can see, but I did an exaggerated shrug. Like, who... Okay. That's, the, that's the official description. Who wrote this article? <laughs> we, don't, we don't have time to break that down. Like, okay, we will t we will break that down on a later day. So, he can be someone's greatest fear and even someone's greatest hope. That should be a question mark. This series will be released in March. And also, out this re week, Dr. Aphra, number 27, Age of the Republic, Darth Maul, number 1, and Han Solo, Imperial Cadet, number 2. Yep. Very exciting. Yep. I'm waiting to see on the Darth Vader series. Um, the cover art for for it that they released with the announcement is pretty cool, but it's also interesting because it appears to have Vader on the back of a horse with a jousting spear and shield, so it's very cool, but it's also interesting whether that's an artistic interpretation or if that's what's something we're going to actually see. I don't know. Um... I kind of hoped after it was announced that Wendig was fired and Shadow of Vader was canceled that they would leave Vader alone for a little while. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I wasn't happy about Wendig being fired or anything, and I was actually excited for his Darth Vader series, but I also saw it as an opportunity to say, okay, let's let that character breathe and tell some other stories, but now it seems like they quickly moved, and it almost sounds like a very similar concept in the sense of 
I mean, Shadow of Vader, it was pretty clear, hey, we're telling stories about Vader through other people's perspective. Yeah. This sounds like it could almost be very similar. So it seems like they're basically just recycling the idea a little bit, calling it something different, and probably doing new new concepts for for implementing it. So I'm, I'm hoping we'll get some sort of preview, some sort of glimpse of it first, um, uh, you know, maybe after the first of the year, something that'll help me get excited for it. I want to get excited about it because I love Darth Vader, and I've loved every Darth Vader series of comics so far. But that's also why I'm apprehensive, because I've loved everything so far. Yeah. So it's a double-edged sword. Double-edged sword. But like Darth Maul. <laughs> if, you like, uh, if you like the comics, though, if you uh, especially the Darth Vader ones, then let us know if you're excited for it. If you haven't heard about it, go check it out on StarWars.com so you can see the art that we're talking about. It looks great, but again, it's one of those things that if that actually shows up, I'm really curious to see how it works. Darth yeah. Vader on a ca- on a horse just Darth- seems interesting. Did you almost say Darth Vader on a cat? Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see Darth Vader on a cat. Um, so, moving on from comic books to real books. Well, comic books are Rude. real books. Uh, different books. Classic books. Larger books. Yes. Although, I have you seen the Akira books? Um, <clears throat> so, in book news, you remember last week when we said, there's no book news, there's yeah. not gonna be any book news for a while, probably. Guess what, Thrawn? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, literally. literally the next day, I think. Yeah, the next day, we get on Twitter, and oh, it's, thanks. Thanks, Zon. Thanks so much. Um, so, but literally, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are excited about it. It's, yeah. just, it's one of those things. Oh, no, here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see how this works. So we're probably not getting a trailer for Star Wars Episode Nine tomorrow. All right, it's out in the universe. Let's see what happens. We're... Let's see what Disney does with that, because they're clearly listening yeah. to us. You know, John, probably no one from Avengers is going to die in Avengers 4. Please? It only applies to Star Wars. Please. It only applies to I Star Wars. I can't, John. I can't. Everybody's dying in Avengers. <laughs> it's the end game. They're all going to die because contracts. <laughs> I'm going to go be sad somewhere else after this. Okay, so Thrawn Treason has been announced. Yay! Mm. I like the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn faces the ultimate test of his loyalty to the Empire in this epic Star Wars novel from best-selling author Timothy Zahn. Yay, Timothy Zahn. And, John, I got bad news. The book isn't going to be released until J- July 23rd. Well, obviously. I'm full of beans right I'm now. I'm actually okay with that. Because we know we're getting a book in March. That is uh, Master and Apprentice, and I do believe also we're getting um, uh, Queen Shadow nice. uh, in March or April, and then this is in July, and I think there's Alphabet Squadron is coming in June, so right now we're actually getting a good stack of line, line or a good lineup of books for next year. Yes. So. You know what we need? What? Audible. Yeah. Oh, wait! We have that. Um, so, yeah. Lots of good books coming out, too. And also, out now, is a book that quite literally snuck up on us. We had no idea about it. Mm-hmm. Um, we did not hear about it until it was fully out in the world. 
Which was yesterday. Which was yesterday. Tuesday. Tuesday. Uh, Star Wars Archive is a huge book. Just a brick. Just a huge brick of a book that collects all kinds of details, both in and out of the universe, to make to the making of the Star Wars original trilogy. It's a hefty price, but it's full of details any Star Wars nerd would be glad to pay for. Yeah, I mean, it looks interesting. Like I said, we found out about it when it was out. Um, and from seeing a couple of things that people have posted about what they're reading in it, it is leaning me towards getting it. Originally, when it was announced, I was like, it was something I appreciated, but I did not intend to get. Um, it's a little over 100 bucks, And it's one of those things where it's kind of like I weigh it against what I already have in terms of... Um, reference books and, you know, encyclopedias and all this other stuff. But this is very heavily behind the scenes rather than in-universe. There is some in-universe stuff where they talk about the inspiration or influence, but a lot of it is from behind the scenes. And so it's really really getting me interested because of how much of it there is. Hmm. I'm sure there's a lot in there that even if it's not new, although I'm sure there's a lot of new stuff, even if it's not new, I'm sure just being able to have it um, to reference and read over again would be cool. Yeah. So I'm thinking about it. Yeah, and you don't have to watch all those uh, interviews with What's-His-Face that were on the original video cassettes. Yeah, although I'm sure it'll be... Well, the uh, I don't know that those will be referenced since those, I think, have more to do with the prequels. No, George. Tell me about this. <laughs> I don't remember anything from those. I, I mostly fast-forwarded through them when I was a kid. Most people did. John. Yes. Can you guess what, what's happening right now? What's happening right now? We're getting a transmission from the banking clan. Oh, no. Or yay. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure how to feel about Moon. it. Moon! So, a transmission from the banking clan. If you don't know what this is, this is a time where we take an opportunity to tell you about some cool stuff that can benefit you and us. So it's some cool stuff from Amazon that can hopefully improve your life, particularly in the Star Wars department. And it also helps to support the show, which we appreciate. Uh, it helps make this all happen. So, with the recent announcement of uh, the Thrawn books, uh, we thought a good plug would be for a Audible membership discount. You get your first three months for over 50% off. That means only $6 and some change a month for the Audible Library. And you get two books free. Uh, and Being Thrown Treason is the third book in a trilogy. It would be a good time, if you haven't already, to go back and get the audiobook for Thrawn and Thrawn Alliances. Uh, I know a few people that need to read that and catch up. Um... And so uh, you can use your newfound discounted Audible membership for uh, those books, or you can really get anything you want, Star Wars related or otherwise, but we wanted to definitely reference um, Thrawn and Thrawn Alliances uh, to help you prepare for Thrawn Treason. Um, And the cool thing is, if you're not into audiobooks, if you don't like people reading you your books and you like to use your eyes like an old man, then you can do that. We also uh, have links to get Thrawn Alliances and Thrawn uh, in the paperback, uh, hardback, or uh, Kindle edition, however you really want to read it. 
it's up to you, but we have links for that as well at the best price I think you can find on uh, Amazon. And maybe you have all these, but you've been hearing people talk about, oh, well, it's not as good as the old Thrawn, or, man, you should have been around in the 90s when we had the original Thrawn. Well, guess what? You don't have to go back to the 90s, number one, because you're not Marty McFly, and number two, because you can get the original Thrawn trilogy on Amazon as well. We have a link to it to get the trilogy. It's only, I think, $23 for all three books, which is a pretty good price. So, to recap, you can get over 50% off on an Audible membership and get two free books. We really recommend you check out and consider uh, Thrawn and Thrawn Alliances to help you get ready for the next book in the series. If you don't like audiobooks and you don't like things in your ears, number one, why are you listening to a podcast? And number two, get the actual physical copy. We have links to that as well for both Thrawn and Thrawn Alliances. And if canon is not your thing and you think that the legends are better even though you haven't read it, go read it yeah. and check out the original Thrawn trilogy as well. All those good things. Yeah. Audible is how we read... Uh Death Troopers for the first time. Yep, it's how you're going to read Dark Disciple in a couple months. How it's, I'm going to read it's Dark how, Disciple. It's, really, it's how you get all of your book content. Really? Like, I, I'm, I'm looking at I'm, my library right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm an old man. I like to either read the books on my iPad or in the physical form. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why we wanted to give you guys links to all of it. So check out the description of today's episode for links to the Audible discount to all of the physical copies of the book, and you can get connected to all that good stuff. And like I said, if you already have the Thrawn books, uh, then consider checking out Audible um, and getting a couple other books. You know, I wasn't, I'm not a big fan of audiobooks, but number one, the Thrawn books are narrated by Mark Thompson, who is just an awesome dude in the Star Wars community. He's been doing audiobooks forever. Um, and... I, having listened to a couple with you, uh, Megan, not you, the herd <laughs> behind the microphone, but having listened to a couple of them, it's actually, I've actually enjoyed it a lot more. So, yeah. uh, if you want to give it a chance, now's the time for a discounted yeah. price. Like I said, only $6 and some change for three months. And then you get those two free books. And guess what? If you don't want to do the full membership sign up, you don't have to. And you get to keep whatever books you downloaded during the first three month trial. Exactly. It's They're cool. yours. Yeah. So, that's pretty cool. Um, so, make sure it, the links are in the description. Check it out. We would greatly appreciate it. Like I said, yeah. it's a way that you benefit, and we benefit, and Amazon benefits, and Star Wars benefits. So many benefits, you guys. So yeah. many benefits. And I highly recommend you download the uh, audiobook for Death Troopers. If you want to hear the uh, titles. Bubbles! <laughs> that's literally what happens every chapter of the audiobook is you have a guy in a very serious voice read Bubbles. read the chapter title and then from like across the room someone just repeats him like Bubbles <laughs> Literally every chapter It's meant to be scary, but really it just, I Okay no here's the thing every single time it happens. It's it's not always like now there is one where it actually says bubbles, and there's one where it says windows. <laughs> there's a couple times if it catches you, it's funny, but for the most part, it does the job of being kind of eerie more so than anything. It was funny to me every time. <laughs> yeah, but 
Anyway, yeah, Death Troopers, another great book that we recommend. You get three, you've, you've got three months. The first month you get the two bo free books, and the cool thing is you get one free download every month after that. Yep. Uh, and so... And I've got some saved up, so I'm good to and, give. And that's the other cool thing. You can save them up. Say that, well, this month I'm still reading. I don't want to download anything. Save it. Use it next month and get two books. Awesome. Yeah. Audible's really awesome, so if you have, if you don't have it, check it out. Um, yeah. If you don't want it, check out the other links to get the physical copies of the books. We tried to be appealing to everybody, so check yeah. it out, and we would appreciate you for it. Welcome back to the show after that brief reprieve with the Banking Clan. Hopefully the visit was nice. When the moon hits your eye and it takes your money. Surprise, That's by the way. Star we're Wars. we're the we're the banking clan. It's us. It was us the whole time. That's it's no all moon. us. Anyway. You just rolled over my funny moon joke. Yep, I did. I'm ignoring it. So, the main show. Today we are talking about, if you haven't figured out from the title of everything, uh, we are talking about the Phantom Menace. Yeah, Star Wars Episode One. Uh, the movie was released in nineteen ninety nine. And the film went back to tell how the saga began. And that film turns 20 years old next year. It's hard to believe. It's crazy to think. Episode 1 is turning 20 years old. Um, what we wanted to do today was to sit down with the Phantom Menace. Well, not with the Phantom Menace, but with each other and talk about the Phantom Menace. Um, and... Uh, we each painstakingly decided on five of our favorite things about The Phantom Menace and put it together for a nice list of ten awesome things to talk about with you guys today, hence the ten things we love about it. It's five things from me, five things from Moo, and we're sharing them with you. Do you realize that not everyone's heard you call me Moo? A couple people, if they've been listening to the podcast for a little while. Yeah, that's just... It's so weird that a lot of people now know my, my childhood nickname. That I tried whoever, so hard whoever's to Whoever's listening to this. I tried so very hard to bury it deep, deep, deep down. Didn't happen. Uh-uh. Uh, so yeah, so ten things we love about The Phantom Menace. We did this originally back in October for the 2003 Clone Wars series as a kickoff, and this episode was intended to appear on Patreon in November, but with technical difficulties we couldn't make it happen, so here we are giving it to all of you, not through Patreon, but freely. Um, and so this one, if you like it, if you enjoy it, then consider checking our Patreon page to get access to this show each month. It is meant to be a Patreon exclusive, but like I said, since we weren't able to make it happen and we needed something last minute since we weren't able to record with Ben, uh, here you go. This is what's happening. So if you want to get connected for the next one, just head over to Patreon, consider supporting for just a dollar a month and you get access to it next month, or, well, not next month, this month, December. The December 10 things uh, will be about Attack of the Clones. So just Yay! think about how awesome that is. You get two in one month. You get the Phantom Menace, and then if you join us on Patreon, then you get the Attack of the Clones uh, 10 things we love about series as well. So that's pretty cool. But anyway, so the movie, the movie, The Phantom Menace, it broke all kinds of grounds, um, which was something that Lucas and his company were used to doing by now. And uh, this time around, uh, with his films, he decided that he would be much more involved uh, in the way that the films are shaped, not just from the writing, uh, but all the way to directing. 
he actually originally asked Ron Howard and Steven Spielberg to direct, but both thought the project was too big and that Lucas should do it himself. Yeah. I'm not saying, but I'm saying we probably should have had Ron Howard do it. Probably. I love you, George Lucas, but as a director, I think... I. Well, I don't want to be negative. I'll say I think that Star Wars, the prequels, could have translated a little bit differently uh, had we had someone like Ron, uh, Ron Howard or Steven Spielberg directing. Um, but the prequels are what the prequels are. The prequels are what we got. Uh, and for the most part, I enjoy the prequels. Yes. Entirely. I enjoy um, them much more I now think that I've seen Clone Wars. I, that's a good thing. Um, I definitely think throughout the episode you're going to pick up that we do enjoy The Phantom Menace and we do enjoy the prequels. We enjoy all of the movies, really. So, yeah, me me commenting on the prowess of George Lucas's direct, direction uh, and directing skills doesn't mean that I don't like The Phantom Menace. It just means that I know that it could have been a very different, I'm not going to say better, but I will say different film had someone like Ron Howard or Steven Spielberg done it. Certainly seeing what Ron Howard did with Solo, which is one of my favorites uh, from the Disney era of films, uh, it definitely excites me to think about what Ron Howard's Phantom Menace would have looked like. Yeah. Anyway, directing was something that George Lucas had not done in 22 years. And it shows. No, joking. Eh. Uh, he hadn't done it since the first Star Wars film, but he felt that the time and technology was right to tell the story, and thus the new trilogy was born, the prequel trilogy. You know what's funny to think about? Uh, James Arnold Taylor talked about this on his recent uh, podcast, and I had not thought about it before, but most times, if you talk about, quote-unquote, the prequels, most people know that you're talking about Star Wars. Yeah. You know how interesting that is? Like, you just say the prequels, and people know what you're talking about. Or just say original trilogy, and most people know what you're... It's, it's a weird thing yeah. that has permeated culture that people know those words because of Star Wars. And you can know whether or not to be friends with a person based on their reaction to the words exactly. that Exactly. Very true. So, we actually have comics and books uh, from the EU, or what is now the Legends to thank for the prequel films. Because of the popularity of Dark Horse Comics and Timothy Zahn's Thrawn trilogy, hey, 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 all the more reason you should go check out that Amazon link to get the original trilogy. It was apparently cool enough for George Lucas to make a whole trilogy of films. That's exactly what happened. He basically <clears throat> saw that people loved Star Wars 16 years after it had ended and said, hey, let's make more Star Wars. I mean... Thanks, George Lucas. That's pretty much what happened. He he had gotten burned out and tired of things and basically said, yeah, I'm not probably going to do that trilogy I was talking about. And then he saw people loved um, Star Wars 16 years later since uh, the end of the saga with uh, Return of the Jedi. So he said, you know what? If after all this time people still love Star Wars, I think I can make a trilogy. And he made the trilogy. And then he sold it. Yeah. <laughs> He's so, just like, why not? I got like 15 minutes. I can make one. So so first the fan base made him think about just not making Star Wars again. Then he made Star Wars again. And then the, the fan base convinced him to sell it. And now the fan base is saying that it would be so much better if George Lucas was in charge. Yeah, like... Yeah, come you, on. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> um, love him or hate him. I Again, we like... We, we enjoy the, the prequels. But... Um, 
I've I've seen and heard of George Lucas's vision for what would have been the sequel trilogy. I am very glad we got Kylo Ren and and all of this stuff. I will yeah. say that much. We're, we'll <laughs> probably talk about it in another episode, but I'm going to say I'm glad that Disney has Star Wars right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so books and comics brought Star Wars back to life. Uh, because of the popularity of all of it, Lucas uh, brought back Star Wars. Um, Rick McCallum uh, was producer, and Doug Chang was art director. There's, there's a lot of staff involved in making the prequels, and especially mm. The Phantom Menace happen. Yes. We're not going to be able to talk about everybody. But I did want to mention these two guys because um, Chang, Doug Chang, is arguably the prequel trilogy's Ralph McQuarrie. Mm. Whatever, now, you know, we'll talk a little bit about this in our list, but whatever you may think of the prequels as a story, you cannot tell me that the prequels are not beautiful. Oh my gosh, are they? And the realization of that happened because of, yes, Doug Chang and staff, but Doug Chang was art director. So he was in charge of steering a group of people and artists for two years to create what we ended up seeing in film. And you can't say that it didn't come out beautiful. So mm. I wanted to make sure to mention him. And then Rick, uh, Rick McCallum, while George Lucas was holed up in his room writing the story, mm-hmm. Rick was helping secure, making sure it would happen. He was helping make sure we got the cast. He was helping make sure we got the scenery. And we're going to talk about the scenery because this movie is beautiful. And you have Rick McCallum to thank for that, uh, for arranging all of that stuff while George Lucas was still writing the story. And so, yes, there's so many people to be thankful for and thankful to for The Phantom Menace. Mm -hmm. But these two guys really helped make the prequel trilogy, the prequel trilogy, um, visually, uh, and, and whatnot, so uh, definitely wanted to make sure to mention them. And so they helped uh, translate Lucas's script and vision and uh, add in a all-star cast to that, and we get what I think is a great entry to the Star Wars saga and arguably my most nostalgic Star Wars film. Yes. Definitely. Well, yeah, I would say even probably... I think Empire Strikes Back would be second to... The Phantom Menace, because with Empire Strikes Back, there's one scene that's very nostalgic to me because of uh, uh, because of how I'd reenact it. And we've talked about this before, where like I would reenact the Battle of Hoth with Duplo Lego blocks because I didn't have an actual AT-AT, so yeah. I'd build an AT-AT out of Lego blocks uh, so that I could blow it up with. Um, I don't even remember what I used for a ship, but <laughs> I didn't have a whole lot of Star Wars toys yeah. growing up. I just I had the movies. Um, you know how the, I know you had the shooty ones? What? Because you shoot them at me. Yeah. Like, I do. Whenever, I like projectiles. <laughs> whenever you get some kind of toy that shoots a projectile, that's the first thing you do is shoot it at me. Gotta make sure it works. Um, so yeah, whereas I have that that nostalgic scene, uh, you know, I loved, obviously, the original trilogy and everything, but I think, and we'll talk about this in our list, I, I, we're gonna say that a couple of times, but, um... I think there's reasons why The Phantom Menace is more nostalgic to me mm-hmm. and more special to me than any other, uh, and and arguably in ways that only one other movie has replicated, and that would be The Force Awakens. Mm. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that uh, down in the list. Um, but, yeah, let's get into the list. So, as we mentioned, I got five things, you got five things. I do have five things. The way we're going to do this 
is you'll do your number five, I'll do my number five, then you'll do your number four, then I'll do my number four, then you do number three, then I'll do number three, and then you do number two, and I'll do two, and number one, and then, and then we're done. And then you go to the speech therapist <laughs> to get Did that Did that make fixed. sense? No. Okay. But I think they can gather as we go along. All right, cool. So, All right. So, Moo. Yeah. Megan. Yeah. My wife. Yeah. What's your number five? My number five is... Oh, oh. Wait, let me... I just want Interruption. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to Stab you in the eyeball. add something before we get started. Again, this is not necessarily a top ten list. No. This isn't. Uh, this is all relative. This is yes. literally me and Megan's ideas of our favorite things. Yeah. We're not saying that if you don't like these things about the movie, you're wrong. These are just our favorite things, and we're not even necessarily really ranking them. Now, our no. number ones are number one. So yes. basically, our only rule was to say. Decide what your most favorite thing about it is, and then four other things. Yes. So the only thing that's definitely our favorite thing is our number ones, and then the other things are things we really like but aren't really ranked. So this, we say number five, but it's just because it's number five in the list, not necessarily in rank, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. So, that said, don't don't get angry with us or anything like that and say that, oh, that's not the best thing about the Phantom... We, we're talking from our perspective and yeah. such. So just just remember that that's that. If yeah. you have something different that you would put in your um, list of things that you love about The Phantom Menace, let us know. We asked you guys on Twitter, and we have a couple of answers to that in our Q&A section later. But if, if something you love didn't pop up here, let us know. We are more than happy to listen and to share and geek out with you about your favorite things. But I just wanted to make, make sure we understood it's not like a ranking. No. Okay. Yeah. On, on, to, on to number five. My number five is... Why are you being so suspenseful? I don't know. Okay. Padding time. Baby Obi-Wan. <laughs> huh? Baby huh? Obi-Wan. What? Not being interrupted by my husband, <laughs> who I'm going to stab okay. in the eyeball. Okay. okay. Baby Obi-Wan. Baby Obi-Wan, He's yeah. so small. Well, he's not small. He's like, he's five or something. Well, I mean, he is around a couple of tall actors. In this one. Yeah, he's he's very young, is what I mean. It's like, it, I remember this being the first time I saw Ewan McGregor. Mm-hmm. I think that's true for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. He was still early in his career. I mean, he started in the 80s, and this was, this started filming in, I want to say, 96, 97. Yeah. So he'd still only been in the, the business probably about 10 years or so. So yeah. he was relatively unknown. I, I would say he was unknown internationally, maybe even. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that definitively, if one, yeah. if someone wants to disagree with me. I'm just saying that I think most people in in 1999 did not know Ewan McGregor as a household name. Yeah, I tried to look up how old he was in this. I think he was like 20... I think he was close to 30. I think he was like 28, 29. Yeah, something like that. Don't quote me. Again, not definitive. Don't at him. But I know he's like in his 40s now, so yeah. minus 20. I think our uh, upstairs neighbors might be tap dancing. I'm not sure. Or bowling. Who knows? Something like that. But yeah. Yeah. Just. Oh my gosh. He's so precious. Yeah. It's very different than when you're first introduced to Obi-Wan. You yeah. Know, when, you, when you first see him as the old wizard, the wise man. Yeah. In the uh, Dune Sea, you know. And, and then all of a sudden, here he is, baby-faced. Nice, you know. Uh, it's precious interesting. Precious little boy. Yeah. Um... um and I'm going to go ahead and warn you, with our top 
tens, oh, um, the things that we like, it's going to be a lot of Obi-Wan for me. Because <laughs> I like him well, a lot. I think everybody, uh, now, you know, I think everybody loved, I think everybody likes Obi-Wan. Yeah. I think everybody loves Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan. Yes. If that makes it, like. I think Ewan McGregor's portrayal of Obi-Wan is the best. Don't at me. Right. Now, again, so this isn't to necessarily, you know, if you, if you, and here's the thing, I love Alec Gillison's, um, yeah. performance. I do. Uh, you know, you have to imagine. My shaky, shaky Without hands. that, we wouldn't have yeah. Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan. Also, Alec um, Guinness, Alec Gillis wasn't really interested in being there. Uh, he says that, but I think he was just trying to seem posh. Because, I mean, you got to think, that was a little different than his normal stuff. Yeah. I think he was just trying to be like, oh, I didn't enjoy it that much. You know, clearly rolling to the bank. I mean, he kept coming back. He came back for all three films. Yeah, I say that, but he was in one of my favorite comedy movies of all time, uh, which is Murder by Death. Oh. He plays a blind butler. Interesting. I need to show you that movie. Yeah, you it do. is I haven't so seen that funny. Movie. Um, but yeah, I think I think a big thing that helps with that is the fact that we spend more time with Ewan McGregor's Obi Wan than anything. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think that's really what uh, contributes me to him to me liking him so much is like he's so sassy and he's so much fun, and like I I think. I think it's just really good writing for a character, in well, my opinion. I, I think they grew on something because you you see a little bit of sass and sarcasm. You you see of some. Of course, I know him. He's me. You see some. Yeah, you see some <laughs> things in Alec Gillis's uh, performance. Yeah. That I think they said, "Hey, this is an old man left in the desert for twenty years." Yeah. He was probably a lot more sassy mm -hmm. when he was young and spry, you know? Yeah. And so, and especially when you get into the Clone Wars, they really capitalize again on those qualities that really contrast, I think, um, Ewan McGregor's performance of Obi-Wan in his prime mm -hmm. versus Alec Guinness's performance of him in his sort of... I wouldn't say lost hope, but def I mean, we know from comics filling in canon recently, and we can assume, even without those, he had a rough life on Tatooine looking over Luke. Um, yeah. You know, he was only there for 20 years, and yet he looked in his 80s. He looked the actual age of Alec Guinness, but he wasn't. Yeah. He's actually about 20 years... Uh, in canon, Obi-Wan is 20 years younger than Alec Guinness was when he portrayed him, if that makes sense. I get you. So, Alec Guinness, um, again, not definitive, but let's say he was 80, then, no, Obi-Wan wouldn't have even been 60, so. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's The a, desert was really hard on him. To be fair, there's two sons. <laughs> Honestly, um, and he did not believe in, uh, sun lotion. Apparent, uh, I guess, I don't know, maybe he didn't have any in his little hut, but. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think I love Ewan McGregor's performance. I think yeah. here is not necessarily his great... I, obviously, it's his first, and it, it's special, but once you see Revenge of the Sith, I think that's prime Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan, in my opinion. I think he got to do a lot more with the character in that film and such. Mm -hmm. So. Yep. 
Good one. Good start. Thank you. Um, my number five is pod racing. Um, I, this ever since a kid, racing? huh? This is pod racing? This is podcasting. Oh. Um, but we're talking about pod racing. Um, ever since I was a kid, I loved the sequence of the, the pod race. I thought it was so fun and high intensity and then growing up learning how things were accomplished to make it happen, learning the details and all that, seeing what went into it. I have, I mean, from all angles, both just in, in viewing and understanding what went into it, in the story, all of it is just great. I love the pod racing uh, sequence. I think it's great. It's definitely something we've never seen before. Star Wars sports was not really a thing. Uh, until pod racing came along, and so it did. It was something very new and different <laughs> and cool. And oh yeah, uh, you can't tell me you wouldn't love a VR pod racing experience. Like, oh my God. like, no matter what you thought about the film, yeah. everybody wants to pod race. Dude, going to Dave and Buster's and sitting in that little like pod yeah. racing video game that mm -hmm. was that was bomb. Yeah, um, one cool fact that I'll mention about it is that other than Jake Lloyd inside a hydraulically uh, controlled cockpit and, for, and a few practical pod racer models. So other than the close-up sequence for Jake in the pod racer and a couple of things. Yeah. Just looking so it, precious. Everything else was computer generated. Everything else. Wow. It... it Think about that. If you can't think about that, go watch the pod racing scene and then tell yourself when when it's not Jake Lloyd close up, CGI. When it's Jake Lloyd close up, practical. See how many times you say yeah. CGI, and you'll like wrap your mind around the yeah. fact that they did all of that digitally from nothing. And yeah. and this is not a discussion of what's better, practical or digital. We're not going to get into that. What I'm saying is. Think about the fact that all of that was computed, created in 1999 digitally yeah. from scratch. Yeah, and, and we'll get back to this subject. That's incredible. Yes, we yeah. will. But that I mean, like, so so for the pod racing scene alone, every time I watched that, thinking about all of this, yeah, your bean gets was created a bit. on a computer. <laughs> It's just, it's so awesome. It makes it even more enjoyable for yeah. me to know that a few very talented, smart people sat in an office for hours on end yeah. to make this. And it lasts, what, like seven, eight minutes? I mean, so it's like, crazy. It's crazy. I mean, even the sound design. Oh, my gosh. The sound design is incredible. Are, you I, feel it in your chest. I think... Of all sequences of the Phantom Menace, yes, that's that's the one where the sound design rip because there's yeah. so much going on. There's so many different pod racers, and they all sound different. They all seem like they're doing something mm -hmm. different. They all sound real, like so much of it comes through. So I think that's really where a lot of Ben Burtt's contribution to the prequel, uh, to to this film, yeah. comes through. I mean, obviously, it's all throughout. There's beautiful moments of sound design throughout, but I think. This is where a lot of noise is happening, and it's yes. beautiful. Oh, yeah, definitely. <coughs> Number four. Number four. Pardon me for coughing. I have Not allowed a little to cough. bit of in my throat, you know what I mean? Um, so my number four is 
just some quality sass going on in this film. <laughs> some quality sassy back chat. Like, it seems like everyone has a comeback for everything. And the dialogue is just, it's very sassy. Mm -hmm. And I love it. Like, I can see where a lot of your sass comes from watching <laughs> these films again. Maybe so. As yeah. much as I watched it as a, as a kid and everything. Um, I'm surprised you haven't called me a slamo yet. <laughs> it doesn't work in English. Like, it, for, for me, I don't necessarily cringe, but whenever they say it in, like, the Clone Wars, which is often, yeah, um, I'm just kind of like, because they can't say the bad words. I I know the naughty words. I know, but at the same time, it's all like they don't deliver it in a way that it feels like it belongs in actual dialogue. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. It feels like it feels like something a kid would say when he doesn't know what word to say, and so it's kind of like yeah. a, you're, you're you're thinking about what you're saying too much. Slamo. It do, it doesn't come across as natural. Whenever yeah. whenever it comes up, it never cr comes across natural it it comes across as you're thinking about saying an unnatural word yeah because it is unnatural it's not a word yeah but but yeah it's uh anyway yeah it's like um, I, I taught the kids in my sunday school class who are teens um about christian swear words oh yeah heck toot <laughs> ah toot jump in jehoshaphat <laughs> great caesar's ghost keep both feet on the floor jeho both feet <laughs> on the floor no yeah. jumping around him. Um, yeah. Rodriguez, he uses Great Caesar's Ghost quite a bit. And I'm just like, <laughs> I know what that's a euphemism for. I'm going to put you in the naughty corner. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, just some just some real great uh, quality sassy back chat. And can we just like talk about how great um, some of the dialogue in episode one is? I think, I think it doesn't suffer as much as a certain prequel film in terms of dialogue, so I think... We'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. I think people writing off all dialogue in the films yeah. uh, as cheesy and wooden and all, I don't, I don't see that, no. again, except for one film. Yes. But I, it still works for me in another film. I'm not, I'm not... So don't hear what I'm not saying. I am saying that this film does it better than a certain film. That's yes. all I'm saying. And we will... Mm. We will cross that bridge when we get there. We'll burn but, that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> I, I think part of what makes it work so much is because it does it, it there is that yeah sassiness and, and, and whatnot. It doesn't feel too theater, you know, and it, it doesn't feel yeah. too it, it works. Um yeah, you know, it's very casual. In every situation that it pops up, it feels like that's an actual reply to something. Yeah. <laughs> I love I, one of my favorites is when um I think I know what you're going to say, and it's one of my favorites, too. <laughs> it's when they're going into, when Qui-Gon's going into Water's yeah. Hut to set up the bet. Yeah. And, and Padme's like, are you really sure about this? The queen wouldn't approve. And he's like, the queen trusts my judgment, and you should, too. And she's like, well, I, I don't, don't approve. approve. I that love it. That is one it. of my favorite <laughs> lines in the entire movie. <laughs> and, then, and then later in the pod racing scene when they're getting ready, I mean, it's happening at this point, mm -hmm. and Padme's still showing her doubts. And um, I can't remember exactly what Qui-Gon says, but he says something similar to the effect of, you know, the queen trusts me, or the queen seemed to agree with me, and she's like, you assume too much. And I love yes. it. Because it's taking every fiber in her Naboo being to not be like, I am the queen, you exactly. idiot. <laughs> oh my goodness, I love it. I think to Natalie a Natalie Portman 
yes. get, get some of the best best stuff in this. Like, the young actors in this film are absolutely fantastic. Like, oh, yeah. Jake Lloyd, he did a fantastic job with the hoodies. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. I don't think he's given enough credit for what he did uh, at his age. And, and honestly, I think... I, I never really had a problem with, with his acting. No. Uh, you know, it was one of those things where somebody else mentioned it, and then I'm like, wait, really? You didn't, yeah. you didn't? For me, it always it always seemed to work because he's nine years old. Yeah. It came across how a nine-year-old would actually say exactly. something. Exactly. He's a kid. Um, you know, now there's a couple of times then when, yeah, you can really get in there and grind to the bone and nitpick. Yeah. But for the most part, unless I'm looking to have a bad day, it doesn't upset me. But if I want to have a bad day, I can get into what's wrong with it, but I'm not going yeah. to because I never want to choose to do that. Like, I like it too much, and I like yeah. Jake Lloyd too much, especially because I was first introduced to him back in 1994, I think it was, when Jingle All the Way came out. Freaking that was Jake Lloyd? That was Jake Lloyd. That was Anakin Skywalker, son of Arnold Schwarzenegger. In that when Okay, let me clarify. He's not actually the son of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Jingle All the Way is a I film. I don't know. There's Jing, uh, Jingle All the Way is a film where Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> plays the dad of Jingle Jake Lloyd. Jingle All the Way is a film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, if you haven't watched it, why not? Go watch it. It's a Christmas movie. It's Christmas time. Go watch that amazing yeah. movie. Uh, second of all, I thought, I thought, same thing. Jake Lloyd did a great job. And he had way more stuff going on in Jingle yeah. All the Way. Uh, you know, I mean, because in this, Anakin's not so much the main character. Yeah. So he's not, he's not in every single scene. And, and but I think when he shows up, he does exactly what you would expect a nine-year-old kid to do. Yeah. And he delivers such great lines. Yeah. Like you know the uh, the lines about you know you say the only problem in this galaxy is nobody helps anybody or the scenes where he's like you know. Uh, you know, he wants to go with Qui-Gon when they're they're in the Naboo hangar, and, you know, he, he Qui-Gon's like, no, stay there, and he's like, but I want to help. Yeah. You know, all good stuff. Great, yeah. you know, dialogue in this is, is better than people definitely give it credit for. Yeah. And I think, as you mentioned, it's lended mostly to the sass. Yeah, and I think, I I found it interesting when I, when we were watching the movie and I was making my list, and checking it twice. And checking it three times. Thank you. I'm extra thorough. Um, I'm Henry David thorough. Um, <laughs> what was Continue. that face? So, I found myself actually having to, like, narrow down my list quite a bit. Mm, yeah. Because, like, I like that movie now. Ha-ha! <laughs> yeah. Yay! Yippee! Yippee! <laughs> Are you an angel? <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that and not think of Darth Vader, though. <laughs> if you haven't looked at the YouTube video where it's all of Anakin's lines, but dubbed over Darth Vader, yeah, check that out, and you'll just be saying yippee all the time. Yeah. And anybody, any, anytime anybody says it, you'll think of Darth Vader. It's so funny. Yeah. But my point is... <laughs> I'm a pilot, you know. Shut up. <laughs> I know. I know, Anakin. I know. But yeah, like, he, it's all about your attitude when you go in with these films. Definitely. Like, when I was looking for things that I liked in The Phantom Menace, I found quite a few. Yep. Rather than, you know, examining and cross-examining the things that I 
didn't like about the movie. Just sort of focusing on the things that make you happy about the movie, for Pete's sake. It's almost as if the way we win is by saving the things we love and not killing the things we hate. I kiss you from over here. Anybody that thinks that that was just introduced through Rose into the Star Wars nope. mythos, no, that's a big part of Star Wars. Exactly. Just perspective from your Cerner, from your point of view. From your point of view is ultimately what what you know. Look at Anakin. Perception is reality. It, yeah. So <laughs> in, anyway, but but yeah, I I, I completely agree. You know, the, you decide more than anything how you enjoy something by how you go into it. Exactly. Uh, so I think people would have enjoyed things a lot more if they decided to enjoy it. Yeah. And instead of expecting, no, Ryan Johnson, make me love your movie. No. You know, instead of being as if, you know, oh, J.J. Abrams, crawl to me and make me love your movie. No. <laughs> go in and say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna let go of my expectations. Yeah. It's Star Wars. Exactly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in this, and I'm going to have a good time. Not say yeah. that you're going to love it. Not say that it's going to be perfect. Not say that it might disappoint you. But just say, I'm going to have a good time. Yeah. Try it. And see, see how you feel. Yeah. And can I be very honest? I was worried about going to see The Force Awakens with you when it came out. But I thought to myself, this is going to make him very happy. Yeah. This is something that I'm going to do for John. Yeah. And that's another thing, too. Is I ended up loving it. Uh, now, I mean, it's it's easy for us to say, I'm going to do this thing because it, I know that the other person is going to enjoy it. We're married. We love each other. So that comes naturally. It's harder, but it's still something we should do in saying, hey, you know what? This person I've only known for five minutes really loves this thing. I'm not going to ruin that for them. Yeah. Or, hey, this this person likes the prequel trilogy. I don't, but they're showing it again in theaters. I like this person enough that I'm going to go and enjoy it with them because they're going to enjoy it. Like, yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to be a significant other. Yeah. Just think of people as people and then decide that you're not going to ruin their day by trashing on whatever they love that yeah. you might not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that there's a very good example of that that you do, John. Um, we have um, a woman in our lives who we think of as a, another mother. Mm-hmm. Melinda, mm-hmm. and she loves Hallmark movies. Mm-hmm. And you are much more patient than I am with Hallmark films. I mean, it's the same movie over and over again. Kind of. I enjoy yeah. them. Yeah, but you are willing to put that, the fact that it's I, literally the same movie aside well, to watch yeah, them well, with I, I'm willing to decide to enjoy it because I enjoy spending time with Melinda, and the fact is, you know, Sometimes, you know what, when I've done that, I end up coming out, like, actually feeling for these characters. I'm like, yeah. I want some... I Obviously, I know she's going to fall in love, okay? Dang it, Stephanie. Like, you can't leave your job to go fall in love with this man, but I want you to. Exactly. So, I end up getting into it. I'm yeah. not saying that I necessarily... I couldn't tell you half the women's names or the men's names. I can't tell you the title of the films. It's either Stephanie but, or Miranda, But usually. I get into it. Yeah. And, and that's only because I say, hey, I love Melinda. I love spending time with her. So I'm going to sit down and yeah. watch something with her she enjoys. And you know what? I end up enjoying it. Yep. Pretty so, much every time I've watched a prequel with you, it's been because of that. Yeah. But now you love it. But now I like You're it. You're in. I don't know how I'm going to feel about uh, next time, but we'll see. I, th- I think 
I think the Clone Wars has gotten to you. I'm going to have to try real hard. I think so. <laughs> but yeah. So that's my, that's, uh, that's my number four. Uh, my number four. So moving on. It, if you see, the, our, our, our things, our favorite things lead into conversations of other things. And it gets all kinds of, kinds of crazy and kinds of good conversations. So anyway, so special effects and CGI is my number four. I can already hear some people groaning, probably. I can already feel within the force those who are saying, but it sucks. It 1999. was 1999. And I hear what some other people are saying, because Megan, you used to say it too. But what about Jurassic Park? I hear you. But here's the thing. Stan Winston worked on Jurassic Park. Here's That's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. If you know if you know nothing about practical or digital or special effects in film industry, here's what I'll tell you. As much respect and as much love as I have for George Lucas creating his own company to do what no one yeah. else was willing to do for Star Wars, that's awesome. You know what's even better than that? Anything Stan Winston has ever done. He touches <laughs> things and they turn to gold. Like, like, and this isn't, I'm not trying to start an argument or say, you know, I'm having fun. Don't don't take it as I'm trying to say, you know, George Lucas in, in Island is... I love... Yeah. Again. Island is fantastic. I have so much respect and, and so much awe of the work yeah. that they did back then and continue to do and the grounds they continue to break. And, I mean, this is one of my favorite things about the prequel trilogy is the effects that they were able to accomplish, especially yeah. in the early years. But this was new... To everyone, but especially to them. But you take someone who knows the medium, like Stan Winston, give him an immense, an amazing budget. Incredibly and yes, large he's budget. able to do a lot more, I think, that continues to hold up. But you know what's the, the biggest reason why a lot more of Stan Winston's work holds up? is because a lot more of it is practical with yes. enhanced uh, in, in, enhanced with CGI. Yes. If you've never watched the special features for Jurassic Park, do yourself a favor, friend. Right. Like, for instance, you know why the Velociraptors look cool? Because those were dudes in suits. Exactly! You thought it was a cool thing when Jurassic World did it? It was done back in the I, 90s. I love Jurassic Park so much, So, John. I know we're kind of seeming like we're getting on a sidetrack, but my point, my point is yes. that I think when people compare certain aspects of The Phantom Menace and uh, the prequels' digital effects, they're, they're not really comparing them to appropriate yes. sources. Um, because some of, the, some of the CGI that I can agree that people could be called into question for, you know, for its aging yes. is simply that that was either pure CGI or pure practical but usually when they blended it, it worked very well. Yeah. And again, yeah. for 1999. I mean, yes, absolutely. And you remember when <laughs> when a certain Gungan came up on screen for the first time in the film, mm -hmm. I let out like an audible noise of, uh, uh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then you reminded me it was 1999 <laughs> and it was CGI. Yeah, and so... I think I think they did amazing work yeah. in the. You know, I'm not trying to say that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we're saying that Jurassic Park did amazing work. 
but to compare some of the things that Jurassic Park does, and I only compare those two because that's usually the ones people jump to because they're, they were released or produced around the same time. Jurassic Park was in 1993, Star Wars was in 1999, and some people want to say, oh, well, you know, yeah, that scene in The Phantom Menace is okay, but if you look at a similar scene, well, not a similar scene, but if you look at a scene from Jurassic Park, it looks so much better, and it's, it's 20 years later in two. Yeah. But again, you're, you, if you're not properly comparing certain things, yeah. then one is tipped in the favor of the other. And so the, the big lesson is appreciate the fact that people sit in a room and do these amazing digital effects. Yes. And regardless of what you... Don't like, see their family for months. Yeah, like, please, there's a reason that they say, and thanks to the families of these, you know, uh, digital effects creators, because the fact is... They don't leave. There's hundreds of them. Like, yeah. go watch Avengers, the, the latest Avengers. There's a wall of credits just for the digital effects artists. Yeah. And, and think back here, they didn't have that in 1999, yeah. and yet they had almost, uh, they, they had an insane amounts of CGI yeah. for the time. I mean, and we have been absolutely spoiled. Oh, in yeah. Our, we have grown fat off of CGI in our old age. Yeah, again, so to the point that we, you know, we say, hey, you know, do, do this better. Like, you know, yeah. that, that Transformer doesn't look real enough. Or, have, or like, yeah. you know, or, oh, that, that thing that Alien did didn't look real enough. It's not as good as a guy in a suit. And I'm like, yeah. it, but it's still a guy in a suit, just enhanced with exactly. CGI. Do, like, you, do you know? Okay. We're, we're getting into our, our love and appreciation for practical <laughs> effects in general. Okay, look at the practical effects in The Phantom Menace sometimes. Look at the Yoda puppet. <laughs> True. I mean, they basically... <laughs> it's like a raisin. Yeah, George Lucas decided, yeah, let's CGI that out. Yeah, that was a choice. That was a choice. Um, you know, our, would that technically be a special edition? I think so. Without the title, probably. Yes. But, so I'm going ahead and saying that replacing the practical puppet Yoda in The Phantom Menace is the best special edition edition. It looked like someone filled a green sock with mustard. It wasn't good. They try. I think what they did. Weird. Here's the thing. Yoda was 900 years old in Return of the Jedi. He, they made him look older. Right. Like my. Th well, my thing is, I think they were trying to go younger, and I'm like, if he was 900 years old and looked like that, he probably didn't age that much in 32 years. Yeah. Also, so. Yeah. And I, I think they did way too. They tried too hard. Anyway. Mm. Yes. If we, we're passionate about this this kind of stuff uh, with. Not only Star Wars, but all yeah. of the films, if you can't tell, John, uh, tell that me we enjoy. That. Tell me so, about the special effects. Special effects in Star Wars. I have a quote from George Lucas here, which um, lends itself to exactly why the prequels came around when the prequels did. Uh, it says, writing the script was much more enjoyable this time around because I wasn't constrained by anything. You can't write one of these movies without knowing how you're going to accomplish it. Uh, accomplish it. With CG at my disposal, I knew I could do whatever I wanted. That last line could upset some people, but basically, all you know, it's it it's not like evil mastermind George Lucas. It's just George Lucas saying, you know, writing the first three movies was hard because mm -hmm. I didn't know how I was going to do some of the things I wanted to do. Yeah. Now that CGI exists, I can do so much more and so much more freely uh, than I used to. It costs a lot, but I can do it, and so. You know, I I am impressed with what they were able to accomplish. Yeah. 
um, and what they were able to do. As far as uh, digital effects, there were 1,950 shots in The Phantom Menace that have digital visual effects. Now, that's not all to say full CGI. Some of it has enhancements. Um, the scene in which toxic gas is released on the Jedi is the only sequence with no digital alteration. Wow. To give you perspective. So essentially, every shot, every frame by frame of this film has some form of digital alteration in some way or in, uh, another. The negotiations were So, some is going to be major like the entire sequence of the pod race, and some is going to be minor, like some lighting enhancements or adding in the color of the lightsabers and so forth and mm -hmm. so on. So or it's it's incredible. Editing out a puppet that looks like it's on death's door. Yeah. Um, the work was so extensive that they had three visual effects supervisors dividing the workload among themselves. You had John Knoll supervising on-set production and the pod race and space battle. Again, the entire pod race was pretty much CGI, and they gave this guy that and this space battle, which was also yeah. very similarly CGI-heavy, and a lot of the onset stuff. You have Dennis Murin, who supervised the underwater sequence and the ground battle. So that's the, the Gungan city and the final battle between the Gungans and the droids. And you had Scott Squires, who along uh, alongside the miniatures team, uh, created character animation and worked with lightsaber effects. Ooh. Really cool stuff. Remember how we mentioned that Back in the day, George Lucas was like, hey, if nobody's going to do the effects that we want to do, we're going to make a company that will do it. They continued to pioneer with this. Noel and his visual effects team wrote new computer software just for cloth. Digital cloth. Hmm. They had to create the software to make digital cloth, Megan. Yeah. Thank you, Star Wars, for digital cloth. <laughs> That's kind of like how uh, they had to create a whole new rendering process for Meredith's hair and Brave. Yeah. Well, and same thing for the squid in Finding Dory. Like, they basically said, this can't do it, let's make a better version. <laughs> let's do it. It's so crazy. And, th and, th and think, alright, this is for realistic hair. We're talking about a, a ridiculous, in uh, uh, I don't know, what's it called when they don't have vertebrae? Invertebrate? Invertebrate species. Okay, <laughs> you have the squid thingy. You have these things. It's like, okay, I can understand having to do something special for that. But this, man, this is just cloth. Yes. Just clothing. It's just, just cloth. clothing. In 1999, they could not do it with regular digital software and had to make their own. It's so <laughs> crazy. If it wasn't for Disney, or if it wasn't for Star Wars and Pixar, there would be not as many, you know, technical advances in animation. Exactly. Basically... These guys saying, hey, I want to make imaginary picture stories, and I want expensive, crazy stuff to do it. We've been able to do so much amazing stuff because these crazy guys were like, wait, what do you mean you can't make that? Do it! Yeah, it's like, throw more money at it and make it happen. I <laughs> Just imagine, like, George, George Lucas George, coming in with a money gun. He pulls out his little Velcro wallet, because you know he has one, and you just... With the chain. <sighs> yep. Here's five dollars. Make it happen. <laughs> Make it happen, like, Captain. Oh my gosh. And then he just so waddles crazy. away. It's so crazy. Uh, him and his flannel. Yeah. And okay. then the executive producer comes in behind him, gives him like a thousand dollars. Right. He's like, He's just like, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> I, oh my gosh. I feel like Rick had to do that a few times. <laughs> like he did. I mean, there, if, you've, if you've ever watched the documentary on The Phantom Menace, there's, there's a lot of the documentary made up about the digital effects. Yeah. Just because of Jar Jar. Because of... 
they actually had to demand an increase in budget to be able to accomplish all of Jar Jar's scenes. Mm -hmm. They basically looked at all of the CGI they had to do, and Jar Jar alone made up most of the budget. Yeah. I think, like, you go back and watch that documentary, and it's a lot of Rick going... <sighs> oh, yeah, there's a lot of... There's a lot... Well, funny thing is, in the middle of one of these conversations, he actually steps out to talk on uh, the phone with Ewan McGregor to say, yeah, you can be in the movie, and, th and then comes back. It's so yeah. funny. But, so... But anyway, but like they have this whole, like, you know, you have George Lucas just saying like, you know, if we can't do this, there's no point in making the movie, you know. Yeah. It, it, oh, I, we have to do Jar Jar. It all hinges on Jar Jar. If we can do Jar Jar, we can do anything. It's and, on Jar Jar. And Rick's like. Make it happen. <laughs> Let me make some calls. <laughs> and so, oh That's my That's most of the documentary, if you haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah. So, for our enjoyment, Rick had migraines almost constantly. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, um, on to the practice. So that's the digital. Yeah. Despite popular belief, yes, there was practical effects. There yes. were more practical effect shots in The Phantom Menace and all of the prequel films than there was in the entire trilogy. Mm-hmm. And give the space battle. And that's basically just because they were like, oh, Star Wars? Here, have all of the money. Yes. You know, they were basically able to do more because they had more money. So... If you really break it down, practical effects breaks down to sets, models, all kind of all kinds of stuff. Um, but it's still impressive to know that the prequels were able to expound upon what the original trilogy were able to do. Uh, it had been 16 years, so it's not terribly surprising. But so the practical effects, uh, practical models were used when the vis with the visuals um, to help uh, through miniature scenes, backgrounds, set extensions model vehicles, all kinds of things. Some things would be be scanned to be recreated digitally or enhanced digitally. Mm -hmm. And then there were some things that were pure model. Which, this is the beauty of, you know, if you look back, um, there's a couple of articles that you can probably find if you look up um, Phantom Menace uh, practical effects. There's a few times when uh, Rick or other um, practical, practical effects designers talk about the practical effects and talk about the fact that, you know, uh, uh, it's amazing what they were able to blend mm -hmm. at that time with digital and physical. Yeah. Like, usually back then, again, you had to decide, what do you want in the scene? Do you want physical or digital? I can't give you both. Yeah. Uh, and George Lucas was like, I want both. And so they got <laughs> both. You're, the way you make him sound, it's like I'm imagining in my head a little boy sitting on a tricycle with a rainbow lollipop and a propeller <laughs> hat. Like, I want it. I want both. Um, give me, I'll give you money if you give me Star Wars. Yeah, so, again, to go back, um, the, the pod racing sequence, yes, was fully CGI realized, except for a few close-up scenes of Jake in the pod. But, did you know that they actually made life-size, two-scale pod racers for all the other pod racers. You know how we know? We've seen them at Disney. <laughs> yeah. What, every single one of those that you see in that sequence when they're lining up is real and is actually in Tanzania. It's actually out there in the desert. They shipped these giant things there yeah. for that like little bit of a shot. And also, the, the hangar for them, um, that's a miniature. The scene when Qui-Gon and Watto are talking, that's done in front of blue screen and then filled in with a miniature. Yeah. 
It's so crazy. So much was done with min like the entire the entire Mos Espa arena is a miniature set. You know how they made all those tiny little people? They painted Q-tips. They <laughs> painted Q-tips, and then they had people sit under there. You know how it looks like? But wait, the crowd's cheering. Did they enhance that? No. People just poked the, the Q-tips up and down to make it look like people were cheering. John, you don't have to convince me. <laughs> it's practical effects, and it's awesome. As excited as I get about the digital stuff, knowing that there was some guy sweating his butt off under a, a model set of an arena for a split-second shot, just, Yay! Oh, what's your name, Bob? What do you do here, Bob? I push the Q-tips. <laughs> what? Yep, I, I just push Q-tips all day. <laughs> my, my first name, my last name is Bob. My first name is Murder. <laughs> what? Murderer Bob. Murderer Bob. Killer Bob. Oh, my goodness. It's not <laughs> Twin Peaks. Um, it's all like Twin Peaks, John. Uh, and then, so, yeah, uh, amazing stuff. If you can't tell... We get excited about it in general, especially as it relates to Star Wars. Definitely. So, clearly, I love uh, digital and practical effects. Uh, and so that is my number four. After swallowing that big sip of water, uh, let's get into my number three, which is Naboo. And the landscapes of Naboo. It's a pretty planet. It's a very pretty planet. Like, the aerial views... Are just absolutely gorgeous. Um, I remember, like, just thinking of that scene where Ray's flying in the Falcon when they're uh, when they get to the surface of Taco Donna, and she's just like, "I never knew that there was this much green in the entire galaxy." And I'm just like, "I feel that with Naboo. Mm -hmm. You get it? Mm -hmm. You feel me? Mm -hmm. Good." Um, so. The architecture of the main capital Naboo, Thede, took inspiration from ancient Rome, but was most heavily inspired by the Marin County Civic Center in California, where uh, Skywalker Ranch and ILM are based out of. They're not based out of the Civic Center. No. Just, just they're that near county. that. Yeah. Just, yeah, they're, they're in that county. Yeah. So I, th I, I think basically they were like, we can't come up with anything, and then somebody just looked out the window and was like, I have an idea. <laughs> what if it, they lived in a civic center? No. Uh, no, that's Parks and Rec, honey. Really, I think the biggest thing is like the dome tops and the color palette is most inspired. Like when you look at pictures, you can look at it and see, oh yeah, yeah, I get that. I see that. I yeah. see I see where it connects. I see the feed. Mm -hmm. Not the need, but the feed. Um, the Italian Caserta Palace was used as the interior of the feed city Naboo Palace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very pretty. Very they pretty actually, pretty. they were only there for four days during the, the, the shoot. They did all of the scenes they needed in four days in that place. Wow. Because they had to shut it down to, to visitors and everything. Um, so that's, that's really impressive. But that's also why, like, if you look, the scenes where there's, like, a little, I guess it's meant to be, I don't know that it's meant to be the throne room, although we're led to believe it's the throne room. Basically, yeah. there's just the desk, the <laughs> queen's chair, and a couple of other simple chairs, because yeah. that's probably all they were allowed to bring in, or or yeah. that that's all they were like. Hey guys, we're only here a couple of days. Make the make the production light. Yeah, and also you know you want to know something that bothers me about that desk? What? The the chair is bolted to the floor. Well, it looks like it that way. It's some way mm -hmm. attached to the floor, and I look at it and I'm like, how does she type? If she needs to type something, like... 
that she just has her, her handmaidens bring her the desk. <laughs> bring me the whole desk. Padme. <laughs> bring me the desk. <laughs> right. Like, we talked about that a little bit. Do you think the queen was ever, like, in the company of others? Padme. Proud well, I think, I, don't, I, think, I think in regular situations, yeah. Padme was queen. Yeah. And, and whatnot. But, yeah, but I mean, like, in mixed company. Right. But... In situations where her handmaiden was queen, I think I think she knew well enough what she could get away with and yeah. what she couldn't. Well, like in the scene after like R two fixed the ship, she was like Padme, clean the drawer. Yeah, I did think that was weird. I, I guess it's one of those <laughs> like feet washing, humbling experiences where it's Maybe. like. you know, wash the droid feet. Right. It's 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 one of those like it's an honor yeah. for me to do this for you because you saved my life kind of thing. Yeah. But they didn't want to make a big deal out of it. Yeah. Also, Kira Knightley sounds nothing like that. <laughs> no. my Yeah. Padme. Um, but it, but it, it, it is definitely interesting. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that, now, you know, I think about that a lot when I'm playing uh, Battlefront, you know, one of the scenes, you know, you, you play on Naboo and yeah. this is one really cool thing it takes several shots that were in very different locations and ties them together when I play in Battlefront. Yeah. So, whereas in film, it'd be a, a, a strict transition. You know, it's like we're going from one place to the no- another. You know, in Battlefront, I'm literally able to walk from one place to another, which would have been a completely different shooting experience, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. in my head, it's it's one of those things I think about every time that map comes up where I go from being outside the palace to inside the palace mm-hmm. because it's so significant to think this is the only time like you can see all of it put together. Yeah. Because the front of the palace is a model. The front of the palace doesn't actually look like what the front of the palace is meant or is is made to look like to us. The interior of the palace is uh, of an actual palace, but the exterior is of a town uh, further away, so it's it it all it's all something you can't connect yeah. except in Battlefront, which I just, I, I think is really cool. Yeah. And not only is our, you know, is Theed the only city in Naboo. Well, not the only city. It's the only Naboo. one we see. Not the only one we see. That's my point. We see oh, the yeah. Gungan city. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which is equally as mind-blowingly beautiful when you look at it. Oh, yeah. Like, I it's wish, absolutely crazy. I wish we'd gotten to it roam around it a little bit more with the, yeah. you know, get a couple more scenes to see what it all looks like and how it yeah. all connects and everything, because we really don't get that. Yeah, I mean, we see bits and pieces of the Gungan City a little bit more in the Clone Wars, but, like, it's a room. Mm-hmm. We see a nursery. Well, and that's, <laughs> and that's in the southern regions where it's not, it's not Otogunga, it's not underwater. Hmm. Um, so that's, a, <laughs> that's, that's in the swamp lands. So that's that's a, a a significant difference where yeah. where you s- now it is cool to see that they're I think basically they said hey Cad Bane swimming down to the Gungan City is a bit are I would have loved to see that though. right <laughs> uh, so they're like hey can we have a region where the Gungans live above yeah. water um, I just think it would have been funny if he was like Toto get my swimmies <laughs> I'm going underwater um, get I need my, my go- get my goggles um, I have really big eyes. But definitely, you know, when you come over that, that, I guess, hill, 
it's underwater, so I don't know what you call it, but when you come over that crest and all of a sudden see Otogunga for the first time, Ugh. it's a very beautiful shot. It's so pretty. And once again, it's CGI mm-hmm. in most instances, um, which is just, it's it's really, it's really beautiful. Yeah. I, again, it, if nothing else, you can't, you can't deny the beauty that is all oh, throughout yeah. this movie. Yeah, and not only, um, you know, Naboo, the city shots of Coruscant, they are just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole other thing yeah. that we'd never seen. We'd never seen the bustling city in Star no. Wars before, and so yeah, and I think it really shows in the fall of the Republic, in how bustling and you know extravagant it used to be versus mm-hmm. what we see in you know the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. It really shows what happened when the Empire take o- took over. Yeah. When did Empire take over? Well, I mean, and that's the big contrast, you know, that's why things look so different, is because you're comparing a galaxy with hope and with resources to a galaxy without, Yeah. you know, or really, it's not that there's no resources, it's that they're all held by the Empire, and they're all drained of everything else, you know? Yeah. So it, it's, a, it's a significant difference, you know, especially when you compare, like, the Naboo Starfighter to, say, an X-Wing, you know? completely different you know, you've got the regal posh uh sleek design of the prequel trilogy and then you've got the rough and it'll get you there look yeah of almost the post-apocalyptic very similar yeah yeah it's definitely rough it's definitely do what you can with what you have kind of thing and even on the empire side a lot of it's done simply you know it's not about looking cool it's about what's the cheapest and what gets the job done yeah. That's why TIE Fighters exist. That's why they're flying coffins, is because they're cheap. It's easier to make them that way than with yeah. the cool, sleek ones that we used to have. Yeah, if you think about it, the bad guys always choose the cheaper option. Like, look at the battle droids. Yeah, greed. You know, if we put more money into those things, yeah, they'd be deadlier, but we'd be cheaper. Mm. Or we would be poorer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's easier to say, eh. Just give me what you can. More money for Papa Palpatine. Right. Can it shoot? Sort of. It'll do. <laughs> it's like the ball from Gun. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's kind of just like eh, it's what we got. You might die, but you got a cannon on top. You like that tasty Gundam reference there? Yeah, I'm pretty sure very few people understood what you were saying there. <laughs> you did. That's I all did. that matters. That's all that matters. <laughs> uh, anything else you wanted to add to that? Let me see... Nope. Okay. We've established. Beautiful, beautiful movie. Beautiful movie. Gouges. Um, My number three uh, would be... I kind of cheated with this one and put two together. Don't hate me if because I couldn't decide between either of them. Uh, But Qui-Gon Jinn and the Jedi Order. Um... These two are like symbiotes. They go together. They I can't ha- I can't enjoy one without enjoying the other. So I figured I'd put them together, because also. I originally I had Qui Gon and the Jedi Order separate, but then I didn't have room for um, another one that I really felt was important to mention. So I put these two together since they go together a little bit, um, because without glint again. So. This is the first Jedi Order that we see. This is the first time we get to see what the Jedi looked like before it all happened. Yeah. And so, number one, there's that kind of awe moment of, 
So this is what it was like. This yeah. was the Jedi in the front. You're, there's more than one Jedi on the screen right now. Yeah. You know, there's so many. And they're and actually fighting. Right, and they're so they're so different. They're you know they're alien ones, and there there's tall ones and short ones, and there's another Yoda. What? You know, it's all kinds of stuff. <laughs> like, so it's fantastic in one sense, but then even when I first watched the Phantom Menace, I could tell that something was different between all of the other Jedi and Qui-Gon Jinn. I could tell that Qui-Gon Jinn was n not your average Jedi. And we didn't even yeah. know what an average Jedi was. He's us, not your daddy's Jedi. To us, an average Jedi was Obi-Wan at that point. Mm -hmm. So we really didn't have much reference for what a Jedi should be. But when the Jedi Order came in, you know, we see this very, you know, it, they're not hermits. They're not weird guys in robes. You know, they're they're in order. There's hundreds of them. They're it, it's a big thing. And it's all, honestly much like the planet that they're on. You know, they're on Coruscant. The temple is very regal. Uh, things are very comfortable, and the amenities are nice, and it's all wonderful. And then you've got Qui-Gon, who, in most instances, when he appears with other Jedi, disagrees with him. Yeah. You know, now, it's not necessarily combative, but it's from a moral standpoint that Qui-Gon tends to disagree with everyone, including Obi-Wan in some instances. Mm -hmm. uh, Qui-Gon has some very, very strict... Oh, let me not say that. He has some very rigid standards for himself as a Jedi and for the Jedi Order. Yeah. He has a way of looking at what the Jedi Order should be and disagrees with what it is, if that makes sense. And so, I mean, he's essentially a, a rebel Jedi. You know, a lot of people want to say a gray Jedi. I don't think, uh, there's no such thing as a gray Jedi, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're gray, you're not a Jedi. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, there's not a lukewarm Christian, you're either a Christian or you're not a Christian. So, there's, there's no in, in between with Jedi. You're mm -hmm. either light or you're gray or you're dark, if that makes sense. Yeah. But if you're gray, you can't say you're Sith, nor can you say you're Jedi. You're gray. Hold, that's a, a a weird thing. That's what the way my brain works. I understand what people mean when they say gray Jedi, though. Yeah. Um, but he's definitely a rebel Jedi. He's definitely not your average Jedi Order kind of Jedi. He's he's much more mystic. He's much more like when he's when he first meets Anakin, he's not like oh the, that boy's smart or like no he he instantly feels like there's something special about him. Yeah. Not he now. Yes, he tests his blood, checks the midichlorians, and, and decides, wow, okay, I was right. There's something special yeah. about him. And but I think that's just because the council wouldn't have listened to him if he didn't have that. Very true. So, but first, he believed in him. Before yeah. anything else, he didn't have any evidence, and yet he felt something special about him when it came to the Force. And he said, let me check this. And, and he decided to find actual evidence and everything. So, I think, for all intents and purposes, Qui-Gon's just very different and I love that about him it makes him very attractive and very different it, it's it's one of yeah. those things where it's like just because he's not like every other Jedi he's more interesting all of a sudden yeah uh, Qui-Gon is easily one of my favorite Jedi's I talked about him in the Monday motivation we talked about his comic appearance uh, last week in the Clone Wars episode a little bit I love all of that because it continues to build this amazing and interesting character of, honestly, 
what the Jedi should be. I think Qui-Gon is the closest to what Jedi should be yeah. prior to Luke in Episode Six. It That's just kind of my opinion. I think Obi-Wan is definitely your stereotypical by-the-book Jedi Order Republic-believing Jedi. Mm-hmm. But then there's Qui-Gon, who I think is much more convicted to to being what a real representative of the light side should be. So Yeah. And all of that's introduced in, in this in this wonderful little movie. And so I think that's something I appreciate so much about it is the introduction. I, I never thought I could like a Jedi like I liked Obi-Wan until yeah. Qui-Gon came along. And all of a sudden it's like, Obi-Wan who? You know? <laughs> Obi-Wan who? Right. I don't know her. Uh, and it was, it was actually devastating when Qui-Gon died. Like, I was really actually upset. It was it was rough and and to this day I think that Anakin's fall would have been more believable had Qui Gon been around longer for him, mm-hmm. just because he would have had more time to build that relationship. We we do see, you know, both Clone Wars take the moment to emphasize that Anakin do, does think more highly of Qui Gon than Obi Wan yeah. and wished that Qui Gon had trained him than Obi Wan had. And arguably, would Anakin have fallen if he was trained by Qui Gon? I don't know because. He wouldn't have been as rigid, I think, as Obi Wan would have as a as a teacher. So it's it's, yeah. it's all of those interesting things that what would had what would have changed for the Jedi Order for Anakin had Qui Gon stuck around. It's it's an amazing impact of a new newly created character. Mm-hmm. You know, because originally we were led to believe Yoda trained Obi Wan, uh, and Yoda trained every youngling. That that's actually true. But you know, Qui Gon was his master, yeah, uh, and he appeared for all intents and purposes here and here alone, unless you read the books and comics, and 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 yet he had so much meaning and depth to him. I think so. Yeah, and do you think that after Qui Gon died, to kind of make Obi Wan more to their standards, they kind of groomed him to be to kind of forget everything that Qui Gon had taught him, in a way. I think. In a way, like, yeah. I think I think one way you can interpret that is by the fact that Obi Wan was on the council and Qui Gon wasn't. Yeah. I mean, Obi Wan says himself in in the Phantom Menace, he said, "You'd be on the council if you would just agree with him." Like he's like, if yeah. you would just listen, you would be on the council too. I mean, you know, he obviously thinks his master is wise and powerful, but he thinks that he's too against the grain, you're too out of the lines, you're too different, you think too yeah. much, just go with what the council says. So yeah. I do think that uh, I think had Qui-Gon been around with Obi-Wan longer even, Obi-Wan might not have been the Jedi that he turned out to be. Yeah, I mean, you get to Obi-Wan in episode 3 where he witnesses the person that he thought of as a not only at one point, as a, himself being a parental figure for, mm-hmm. but then the person he loved as a brother be consumed by the dark side. I don't even think I don't even think of it as a falling. I think of it as him being consumed by it, mm-hmm. and that's gotta make you question some stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, I I definitely think we know he felt guilty. He blamed himself, and even Qui-Gon blamed himself. Um, Qui-Gon even believed that he was wrong, that Obi-Wan wasn't ready. And Obi-Wan feels guilty of saying, you know, I wasn't ready either. 
Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of guilt surrounding it for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and certainly there's guilt within the Jedi <coughs> Order as a whole that contributed to Anakin's fall. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I definitely think that once Qui-Gon was, quote-unquote, out of the way, I don't think the Council was necessarily glad about it, but I think they saw it as an opportunity to say, okay, now Obi-Wan has a real career. Mm-hmm. Ob- now Obi-Wan is going to go places yeah. because now he doesn't have to agree with his master about every. You know, I don't think it's necessarily in the sense of celebrating, but they looked at it as, it's a shame what happened to Qui-Gon, but it's good that now Obi-Wan can go places that Qui-Gon couldn't go because he was too free-thinking. Yeah. Kind of thing, yeah. And if you think about it, Qui-Gon was, or not Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan was kind of lorded in the Jedi Order as, you know, look at this guy. Look at how great he is. Look at how he rose above his master and that kind of thing. A little bit. Um, I think I think certain Jedi, I think he was one of the handful that were. Yeah. You know, I think he was up there with um, Mace Windu and yeah. Plo Koon and Kit Fisto uh, in terms of regard and everything. But I think the one that suffered the most from the pressure of the pedestal was Anakin, definitely. Absolutely. Um, and, and what's crazy is because half of the Jedi that held him up to such a high standard didn't actually believe in the standard of the Chosen One. Yeah. Most of the people that believed in him didn't believe in him. Yeah. They're like, aren't they, you the Chosen One? You don't believe yeah. in the Chosen One, but you say you're the Chosen One. Yeah. Like, how am I supposed to meet expectations like that? You know, it's yeah. crazy. It's tough. If you're the Chosen One, you should act like the chosen one what's the chosen one act like I don't know I don't believe in the chosen one then what are you talking <laughs> about Mace exactly. freaking Windu go throw yourself out a window right <laughs> oh that's <laughs> ironic <laughs> anyway. anyway um we're down to number two John yeah and believe it or not we still <laughs> it's gonna be a long episode so it's gonna be a very long episode if you've been with us you're a trooper thank you you're a stormtrooper <laughs> No, that was a bad joke. Don't laugh at that. I um, so something unique that we get to see in episode one, which I will admit, did I, I didn't notice. Um, my first couple times watching it, it I mean, I'd only seen episode one a handful of times. Mm-hmm. Was kind of the subtle ways that we see Palpatine putting himself in a place of power. It mm-hmm. it. It, yeah, it's really interesting how much of a subplot the plot oh, yeah. is. Because like, that's the big plot. Like, in The Phantom Menace, it's min- it's minuscule. Yeah. But in the overall story of the prequels, that's the story. Yeah. Palpatine taking over. And yet here in the prequels, it's hidden behind all the other stuff. Yeah. And, and, and that's exactly according to his plan, though. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing. He wanted it to be background. He wanted the queen to be distracted by all the other stuff. So that she's not yeah. really catching what's going on. He wanted yeah. everybody looking at everything else and just letting himself... Hey, just let me walk into the office. I'll just take the office. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, Palpatine's, Palpatine's there now. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Look at that. Palpatine's the Chancellor. Good job, right. Palpatine. I've been, I've been nominated for Chancellor. How, how surprising. A, a surprise, to be sure. surprised at all. Oh yeah, a surprise well, but a welcome one. Yeah, and 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 he's another one with with the, you know we mentioned the dialogue earlier. He's another one where sometimes he's really not hiding. No, like, he, like yeah, it they're taking like oh he's just such a sweet crazy old man. No, he's evil. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll be honest. The 
the first couple times I watched episode one, I was like, I know, I know what he's gonna do, so I don't, I'm not worried about him, but watching it this time, I was like, dude was very manipulative in very small ways. Well, and then, like, the scene when they're in the Senate room, and, you know, Padme stands up to plead their case and everything, and they're like, oh, let's deliberate a little bit, and he leans up, and he's like, and now the politics. Yeah. He caused her doubt in the... No, she had she had a right to be yeah. doubtful in the political system. Yes, it was flawed, but Palpatine was not the answer. Yes. And yet, he used that. Yeah. It was so... Oh, my goodness. It was so... It's so good. Yeah. Like, you know... It's it, incredible. To go back and to see the whole story, you know, it's really... Bravo. Yeah. Bravo, Sheev. You did a good job good at job, being evil. Sheev. Yeah. And I think Ian... Remind me of his last McDermott. name. Ian McDermott does a fantastic job uh, oh, using, like, yes. the subtle, like, facial expressions and little cues of, like, hey, hey well, they don't know I'm evil. I mean, he's such an, he's such a prolific actor. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's down to the pitch of his voice, to the look of his brow, yeah. and to the way he smirks a certain way. Especially, yeah. like, if you really want, I mean, we're talking to Star Wars fans, I assume, but, so, but... Go back to the scene, and I know we're talking about the Phantom Menace, but Empire, uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I was going to say The theater scene. (laughs) That right there. They're sitting down the entire time. He's doing all the acting with just his face and voice. It's fantastic. It's one of the best scenes in all of Star Wars. Yeah. He's, he's such a, he is such an amazing talent. And and it's so amazing for such a sweet man. (laughs) Like, he's act, like, it's basically... You know, you have Palpatine and then you have Sidious. Yeah. Well, in real life, you have you have Ian and then Palpatine. Yeah. Like it's it it it's just it the the switch is incredible. Yeah, I'm actually worried now that he might be evil and we just haven't noticed. Well, yet. that's what I mean. Like like he's put up <laughs> such a great facade that he's like, you fools! I put it in all of the films. How could you not notice? <laughs> oh my goodness. We were just enjoying your acting. And and. Uh, if anybody's ever heard the story of how he got his job, yes, Ian McDermott. It's not has a, a great story nose. the Jedi would tell you. <laughs> that was funny, but I, I was making a, I was making a, I was making a reference. I know, I was too. Mm-hmm. Mine was funny. Apparently, because you stepped on mine. I'm sorry. No, you're not. I will say it again. I'll listen this time. Did you hear it? No. Because I didn't say it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he's got a great nose. He does have a great nose. He's got an excellent nose. You have a great that's nose. That's the reason he got the job, by the way. Wow. That's that's why I was, that's the reference I was making. He does have a good nose. If you ever hear him tell the story of how he got the job, that's basically how he got the job, because his nose is evil. That, like, he has the nose of an evil man. Uh, so, yeah. Turn to the side. Let me see your profile. What's so funny is he was, like, in his 30s yeah. as the emperor originally, and yet... He he was able to come back as the the yeah. old and sweet Palpatine. It was so it's so crazy how that works out. I know, right? So crazy. Ugh. But yeah, seeing Palpatine in his prime as well. You know, we talk about seeing the Jedi in their prime, but you know, going and seeing Palpatine, like you know, he's not the broody, evil, ugly mask that we see in uh, Return of the Jedi or anything. He's not sitting in a darkly lit room. Or, yeah. Like, no, I mean, he's in public face. Yeah. What we see in. The original trilogy is, you know, the Emperor 
after years of paranoia and after years of, you know, plotting and empire stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Just being evil. Mm -hmm. Like, and we don't know how he gets that way until, you know, later, which yeah. I, I yeah. we'll get there. Yeah. And, like, it's so weird to see Palpatine just out and about in his fancy dress. Mm -hmm. He just does like have any some, other politician. He has some very fancy dresses. Mm -hmm. <laughs> almost as almost as fancy as Amidala's dresses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, because they're both from Naboo, so it makes sense. Yeah. So um, a cool thing uh, about Palpatine that we'll share here yeah. uh, before moving on is, and now. Technically, this is legend. It's <clears throat> not entirely foolproof. But if you've never read the prologue of the 1977 novelization of Star Wars, a.k.a. Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, the original novelization, uh, it's really interesting to read that when talking about the prequels, but Palpatine and The Phantom Menace in particular. And you'll... If you've never heard it, you'll, we're gonna, I'll read it, but, yeah. and just think about it as you're going through. And remember that this is from 1977. Yeah. Another galaxy, another time. The Old Republic was the Republic of Legend, greater than distance or time. No need to note where it was or whence it came, only to know that it was the Republic. Once, under the wise rule of the Senate and the protection of the Jedi Knights, the Republic throve and grew. But, as often happens when wealth and power pass beyond the admirable and attain the awesome, there appear those evil ones who have the greed to match. So it was with the Republic at its height. Like the greatest of trees able to withstand any external attack, the Republic rotted from within, though the danger was not visible from the outside. Aided and abetted by restless, power-hungry individuals within the government and the massive organs of commerce, the ambitious Senator Palpatine caused himself to be elected the President of the Republic. He promised to reunite the disaffected among the people and to restore the remembered glory of the Republic. Once secure in office, he declared himself Emperor, shutting himself away from the populace. Soon he was controlled by his very assistants, the bootlickers that he had appointed to the high offices, and the cries of the people for justice did not reach his ears. Having exterminated through treachery and deception the Jedi Knights, guardians of justice in the galaxy, the Imperial governors and bureaucrats prepared to institute a reign of terror among the disheartened worlds of the galaxy. Many used Imperial forces and the name of the increasingly isolated Emperor to further their own personal ambitions. But a small number of systems rebelled at the, these new outrages. Declaring themselves opposed to the new order, they began a great battle to restore the old republic. From the beginning, they were vastly outnumbered, but the systems held in thrall by the emperor. In those first dark days, it seemed certain the bright flame of resistance would be extinguished before it could cause light of new truth across the galaxy of oppressed and beaten people. From the, from the first saga and journey of the wills. Journal of the wills, excuse me. Wow. If that doesn't sound like the prequels... I know, right? <laughs> like, there's there's details in there that are very different, obviously. But for the most part, the story is there. Mm -hmm. And that is insane. I know, right? That is so crazy. 30 years prior. Well, almost 20, uh, 
over 20 years prior, 22 years prior, 22 years prior to this, they had that story. Yeah. I just had a realization of time. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, that, yeah. it's a really cool little Easter egg. If And, and so, again, if you've never um, checked that out, you can look up the prologue to the 1977 uh, novelization, you know, uh, and, and check it out for yourself. But it's so, 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 so interesting to read that and then to to see this story unfold and just how much of it was there all those years ago. Yeah. Um, and, and so some of it's uh, a little different uh, from what we see, but for the most part, Palpatine's evil. That's just the ins and outs of it. Bad and, boy. And to see that little prologue uh, in action um, and, and, and brought to life that way is is definitely awesome. Yeah. So very cool. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Moving on. Again, sorry for the long episode. I'm not. We're proud of you for continuing with us. We're yeah. We're we're we are, but we're not because good conversation. So just listen to it in parts. That's how it works. Uh, but number two, number two, Anakin Skywalker. Really? That's your number two? Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's it. Yeah, okay. My number one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it's kind of self-encompassing, but, that, you know, uh, originally I wasn't going to mention Anakin, but then I thought about how much the character means to me and how much I did de definitely have to make sure to mention him. That's why I combined uh, Qui-Gon and the Jedi Order together. But, yeah, I mean, we talked about Jake Lloyd's acting. I thought it was great for his age and the time and every. I thought, I thought it all worked very well. Yeah. And seeing... Seeing Darth Vader as himself, you yeah. know, seeing who he once was. We heard about it very briefly, and we saw a glimpse of his redemption at the end of Return of the Jedi, but to see where he came from mm -hmm. and how different it was, it's so incredible. Uh, it's certainly tragic uh, amongst most things, and, you know, the whole story of the slavery and then being released but having to leave his mother and all, all of this, and you know, yeah. when he talks about, you know, I had a dream that I became a Jedi and freed all the slaves, and all of these things that made Anakin such, like, you wanted the best for him. You're like, great things, great things are coming from this kid. And that's what a lot of people did think. But you know where he's going. You know who he becomes. You know what he does. Yeah. And so, the same times that he warms your heart, he breaks your heart. Yeah. You know, the same times that he says those things of, you know, nobody helps anybody in the galaxy. You know, they, we're meant to help them. The same time he says that, you think of those things where, you know, he's breaking people's necks and slicing people's hands off and all this other evil stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, what happened? Yeah. You know, who hurt you? A uh, lot of people. It was Palpatine. <laughs> and, and the Jedi Order. Yeah. And a lot, yeah, but. I mean. Oh, yeah. It's so, it, it, it's, it's powerful stuff. Yeah. Um. I mean, you can't deny the tragedy of the Phantom Menace in mm -hmm. most ways when that scene where he's saying goodbye to his mom mm -hmm. and she says, don't come back. Oh, yeah. That that scene, you know, it gets, it gets me, me emotional every single time. And it's between uh, Pernilla August's performance to the score that comes up under it that builds as... And it's, it's so crazy that it sounds so triumphant when he actually does leave. When he's leaving, it sounds just so, 
yeah. celebratory. Like, he's going to fulfill his destiny, but he's leaving his mother to do it. And it's just, oh. Yeah. It's so powerful. I, And that line, even when I was a kid, you know, when I was a kid, I remember looking to my mom and, and thinking, like, why did she say that? What, what, did, what, what does she mean, don't come back? You know, and it was one of those big things that even then, I, I was like, that, that's big. Yeah. You know, and even now, uh, you know, growing up, being more mature, I still, I see that. And there's so much we can glean from that, from a mother's love and, and, and sacrificial love for her son and, and so much. And she wanted so much for, for Anakin. And she was so, so proud. When we see her in Attack of the Clones, you know, she has enough of herself to just tell him how proud she is. She knows nothing. She knows nothing about what Anakin had done as a Jedi. She knows nothing about how he had trained or what he'd done. She doesn't know who he is anymore. But she sees him grown up and she just says, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. And it's just, it's such powerful, powerful stuff. Yeah. Amazing acting from her. And and all of it serves. Like, you know, and I don't want to get ahead of myself because I, I know I'm going to talk about this when we talk about Attack of the Clones. But at the following that scene when he kills yeah. the the, um, the sand people it is incredibly visceral and it's one of those moments where you almost you almost are okay with that glimpse of Darth Vader yeah you know I love I love in it where we get you know you know it transitions from him doing that and then you get that just faint score of the Imperial March the the littlest of dun 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 it's just, it's so powerful, and yet you're not upset about it. Yeah. Because of the pain that he's felt. You almost put yourself in his shoes. And I think that's the beauty of what The Phantom Menace and the prequel trilogy does, is it says, hey, that guy that everybody else had written off and said, hey, the only thing good that could happen to Vader is that he died. It makes you say, no, you want to root more for Luke, because you're like, no, save him, go after him. You don't know where he came from or who he used to be. Help him. Hearing this so coming awesome. from you after listening to you talk for many hours about Kylo Ren, I'm very surprised. What? Like, I... It just... It's just... I'm gonna bring this back up someday. You oh, know I'm sure. Oh, well, I, I love Ben Solo and everything like that. I you mean, just want him to die. Well, I want him to pay. <laughs> There's the price to be paid, Pencil. I mean, it's different because, you know, when when I saw Return of the Jedi and when Vader was redeemed, I accepted that because I was like, well, it's good that that happened. But then, when when the prequel trilogy came out years later, when I when I started to see the buildings of his story, you know, all of a sudden I found myself rooting more for his redemption at, in Return of the Jedi. It meant more to me. It wasn't just like a, oh, that's <clears> nice, Luke saved him. You know, it, it became less about Luke and more about Vader in that redemption mm -hmm. once I learned who Anakin Skywalker really was. Yeah. Um, that was written and established. Because we're looking ahead to something that's malleable and formable and still unknown. Well, it's not unknown. There's a script out there. They're filming it. But because it's unknown to us yet what is going to happen, my hope is that we get some real consequences for some of the bad stuff that's happened. Yeah. I don't think he's done some of the same bad stuff that Vader's done, but I definitely think he's done some bad stuff. And this could be the first time we see consequences for a tragic character. 
I'm not saying that necessarily he has to die. We've talked about there's alternatives that I very much enjoy the idea of. Death or prison. All of them deal with death, prison, or just basically, you know, going insane. But nonetheless... What is this? All of it, an H.P. Lovecraft novel? All of it deals with consequences. Him paying for his sins. Uh, I think that is very important, you know, rather than just doing a heartwarming, simple, by the book, oh, he comes back to the night side, and then Raylo happens, and it's all sweet and wonderful. No, he killed people. He was bad, and he should pay for it. Yes. Just saying. Okay. Any, but anyway. Yeah. So I stand firm. I love Anakin Skywalker. Oh my God. Such a tragic character. Wonderful character. Do you think we're going to get a similar scene with Anakin and Shmi with Ben and Leia? I doubt it only because of how limited they may be with footage yeah, of I get Carrie. That. Yeah. Would I want that? Do I hope? Yes. I'm going to cry. If they can do some movie magic and make it happen somehow where we... I really, I would, I really, really, really would hate for Ben to either die or be redeemed and Leia not be there. Yeah. Like, I love Rey, and I do think she is a part of what will bring about either of those outcomes. Yeah. But she does not deserve to be the one. Like, Rey had better not come back and secondhand say, your son died. Like, yeah. you already came and told her that her ex-husband died. Do not do that to her with her son. Like, mother-son relationship that has like that has to come yeah. come around. I hope it does. And that has been confirmed and reinforced that Ben does love his mother. Oh yeah. Well, and that's what's so sad about the fact that they have not shared a scene. Yeah. Oh. Oh my gosh. Ugh. I'm just I'm going to be so a wreck. So so many emotions. Like, oh my goodness. Literally, you're going to have to carry me out of that. We'll carry theater. each other. Just like so many emotions. <laughs> I'm crying uh, thinking about it right now. I know, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, so Anakin Skywalker, both for what's done for him um, in The Phantom Menace, of course, the prophecy of the Chosen One, I didn't even get into that, I, I don't want to begin getting into that, but certainly this idea yeah. as we go on, of pressure, um, you know, uh, we're we're gonna have when the Mortis arc comes in the Clone Wars rewatch, y'all better buckle in for our talk about the Force and the Chosen One and the prophecy and all this crazy stuff. It's all going, it, it, it's all hitting buckle the fan. It's all gonna belt. be crazy. Yeah. But what I will say here is, even from what the Phantom Menace introduces, we see it much more as the sequel trilogy or as the prequel trilogy goes on. But even here, the pressure that lovely amazing parental figure Qui-Gon like he's so adamant that he's willing to risk his Jedi career and all this other stuff to say he is the chosen one he will bring balance to the force imagine as a nine year old kid hearing that about yourself like I gotta do what now? <laughs> I'm a pilot you know it's like it's so crazy uh, and it, it, it becomes yet another reason why you start to understand how a, a, a kid like that can go to such a fractured and broken man. He's broken by expectations, mostly. So. Yeah. Anyway, but I'll, uh, so I'll, I'll... All right. I, Anakin's gonna leave it at that. Yeah. Well, 
John, we have gone down to the number ones. Yay, number ones. My number one. The thing that I love the most about The Phantom Menace is a very simple one. Darth Maul. Yep. I, I freaking love Darth Maul. I knew one of us was going to get Darth Maul on this list, yeah. so. He's my favorite. <laughs> if I had to pick a favorite character in the prequel trilogy, it's Darth Maul. And he's only in... 20, 30 minutes of the movie. If oh, that. Maybe. I would put it between 12 and 15. Yeah. Tops. Yeah, 12, 15 minutes of uh, The Phantom Menace. Mm -hmm. And that's it? That's it. <laughs> Most everything else. And you haven't even seen all you know about. I mean, 10 years later, you can't not yeah. know. I mean, and we saw Solo, obviously, you know yeah. about Maul coming back. I know about his sick robot legs. But you haven't seen... He got way more coverage in Clone Wars and Rebels and comics and Solo. And I can't wait! Than he did from The Phantom Menace. And it all came from that that simple introduction, introduction of mm -hmm. just an awesome character. Yeah. And I love, I love the character design of Darth Maul. Mm -hmm. Having seen the... Uh, the concept design of Darth Maul, who looks like someone you would meet on a subway, <laughs> or in the restaurant subway, behind the counter, asking oh, you what you want to do. Wait, there's what? What subway has a restaurant? Uh, never mind. Yes. I got it. I caught up. It's there not a go. restaurant though. It's a Sammy shop. Yeah, it's a Sammy shop. <laughs> but yeah, um, I love the character design. I love you know. I can't look into more about the Zabrak uh, race, because you won't let me. Um, but I just, I absolutely love the character design of Darth Maul. He looks so evil. Mm -hmm. He looks like Satan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, like, in a good way. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Um, and seeing, like, a true blue Sith mm. for the first time, I mean, Darth Vader, on a completely different level, mm -hmm. seeing, like, <laughs> seeing a Sith fighting with a lightsaber. A double-sided lightsaber! Mm -hmm. I love his lightsaber so much! I it's can't... It's the craziest thing. Yeah. I mean, for, for the most audiences who hadn't gotten into um, games or uh, comics or anything like that, yeah. that was new. Brand new. That was... That was Something special and, and crazy. Yeah. Like that that scene where they're in... Where are they at that scene? Uh, they're in the uh, feed hangar bay. Okay. When they're in the hangar bay. Well, well. it depends on where you're talking about. Like, it begins in the hangar bay. It goes into the generator room. They All throughout. Yeah, they travel through the power yeah. center of the, the palace. Yeah, that scene where he holds up his lightsaber and is like, Bzew! Bzew! Oh, and I was just yeah, like, oh my god!" That's in the first part of the hangar. But that's yeah. That's amazing! And that and that's such a great introduction. It's such a good reveal. Um, I love it so much. It's, it's really well done. Yeah, and not only do I love the character of Darth Maul, mm -hmm. I love the actor behind Darth Maul. Mm -hmm. um, Which one? No, I'm just kidding. I, I know who you're talking about. Yes. We love both of them. Yeah. Ray Park, who is a martial arts champion with experience in gymnastics and sword fighting, which, that should be on everyone's resume. Mm. I have, uh, 
fun fact. I actually took theatrical fencing a little bit when I was in middle school, so I can put that on my resume. There you go. Um, he was originally a member of the stunt crew, and stunt coordinator Nick Gilliard, Gillard? Gillard. Gillard filmed Park to demonstrate his concept, his conception of the lightsaber battles, and Lucas and McCallum were so impressed with the test tape that they just gave Park the role of Darth Maul, mm-hmm. and he's awesome. Like, yeah. ugh. Well, and you know, it goes to show you know how minimal the character was that they were like. Do you yeah. think a stunt coordinator can handle it? Well, he doesn't have any r- real lines or dialogue. I mean, he basically just yeah. fights the whole time and then dies, so... Yeah. I think he can handle it. Like, I'm not... I'm not trying to discredit Ray Park. I'm just yeah. saying, they didn't think much of this character enough to get an actual actor. They were like, yeah. just have the stunt coordinator do the entire character. And he ended up being absolutely fantastic. Can you think of and a more iconic lightsaber battle? And he was 22 years old. Yeah! He was a baby! I can't believe that. He we're older. So, yeah, we're older we're now older than Ray Park was then. Exactly. It's like the whole... You remember the realization I had when we were coming out of Captain America Civil War? Oh, where yeah. I was like, I'm older than Spider-Man. Yeah, we're older than Peter Parker. That's weird. That's the first time we could say that. Yeah. Um, Ugh. Ugh. Um, yeah. Like, um... Ugh, I love it so much. I had no idea that he was British for the longest time because his <laughs> voice was dubbed over. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, his voice was considered too squeaky and was dubbed over in post-production by Peter Serafinovich. Uh, let me go back. Serafinovich. Okay, thank you. Um, oh, and there's a little picture there. Thank you. Thank because, you. Because okay. I always end up Googling the yeah, person. Yeah, <laughs> when I put it there, too, because I did not know all these years... <laughs> Who this was really and where else I had seen him until I'd seen him mm-hmm. uh, you know most recently he was in Guardians of the Galaxy even yep and I'm just like wait that yeah was what <laughs> yeah oh my gosh yeah I mean this guy's been in episodes of Adventure Time and Gravity Falls and all this other wacky stuff and I'm like that's that guy right it's just one of those things where it's like I, literally when when going for the script that it was one of the, I knew that it was dubbed over, but it was yeah. one of those things where it's like, I, I was like, okay, let me see if there's any in, anything interesting about this guy, and I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, yeah. Yeah, and then a few years later, Ray Park went on to be Toad in X-Men. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that, that was, was awesome to find out. Yeah, I had no idea. Um, Ray and... Park was also this uh, stunt dude for um, Sleepy Hollow. He was the headless horseman. That's freaking rad. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I love it so much. It's also It had a lot to do also with his height, because then he yeah. could have the prosthetic of seeming headless. Yeah, Red Park's not very tall. No, he's not. I, but I, that's why I he's ho- so flippy and fast and Yeah, I, I hope we get to meet him at um, Star Wars Celebration. I'm so I a lightsaber. Can... Yes, you like, are. Hit me with a lightsaber. <laughs> 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 so I could just be like, hey. I will say this. If you've never heard Ray Park's actual voice, it's funny to me that he manages to sound country and British at the same time. <laughs> well, Cockney. Yeah, like, but, <laughs> well, but not even that. It's it's one of those things where it's like, at some points, the, he sounds like he could be from, like, the mountains of Tennessee, and other times he fa- he sounds like he sits tea. You know, you know what I have to do it's whenever you mention blend. the mountains of Tennessee? Oh, my gosh. He was born on a mountaintop in no, Tennessee, John. No, he wasn't. He was born in England. 
Greenest state in the land of the free. It's not green, it's smoggy there. He lived in the woods where he knew every tree. He doesn't know trees. Killed him a bar when he was only three. He didn't kill Who him. Who am I talking about, John? Ray Park. Davy. Uh, Davy Crockett. Sorry. I'm from Tennessee. Are you <laughs> Yes. Okay. So, yeah. And then, of course, years later, Sam Witwer. Yay! I mean, you know, so many great guys contributing to creating this amazing character yeah. that has lived up 20, year, 20 years later, close to, 20 years later, and Maul is still, he, yeah. he was just in Solo. It's so crazy to think. And then, you know, I was thinking about it, I was yeah. like, you know what? When Darth Maul appears in Solo, mm -hmm. it's about 20 years after he's been cut in half. Yep. It's been 20 years since Maul's first appearance in Phantom Menace. It's so it's crazy. crazy. So, so the way that Darth Maul looks in Solo is actual aging mm -hmm. of what he would look like. Like, it's so, it's so crazy to think about because it's like, so, like, those Ray Park wrinkles are real Darth Maul wrinkles. It's crazy. It's so funny. Yeah. Oh, man. It's cool. I freaking love Darth Maul. Oh, yeah. That could have a... been, like, the whole section, but... Such an amazing character, yeah. definitely. I, I, they definitely had a gem they did not, they did not realize. He's a diamond in the rough, a shiny mm. piece of coal. Yes, definitely, definitely love him. All right, two hours later, and we are coming to a close of our ten things. If you've stuck it this far, congratulations. Uh, we appreciate you and your bravery and commitment. Uh, if, if we lost. Anyone along the way, I'm not sorry because, boy howdy, has it been a good conversation. <laughs> but, um, my number one, our last on the list is, uh, it's not so much the movie, uh, but what, what it represented to me and to so many other Star Wars fans back in 1999, and that's the fact that it was more Star Wars. Um, that's my number one that... The Phantom Menace was more Star Wars. Um, when I was a kid, I fell in love um, pretty instantly with Star Wars. Uh, and it's forever shaped the direction of my life to the point that we now have a podcast about it. So, obviously, it means a lot to me, to us, and to so many other people. And a lot of that, I think, comes from the, the prequels because... You know, when I was a kid, for a good few years there, all I had was the original trilogy. All I had was those same three movies over and over again. You know, I was I was old enough to enjoy the movies, but not old enough that I was really into reading books or comics about it, necessarily. It was one of those things where it's like, I just wanted movies. Um, I wasn't a big reader, or uh, book or comic otherwise. You know, I was a big... TV, you know, movie and television, and so if it didn't come through that, I really didn't consume it, and so, yeah, there were other things around, there was, I, I've mentioned before, you know, the, the Thrawn trilogy and all these other things I, I wasn't really into yet, uh, and so, all of a sudden, when it's announced that there's gonna be more Star Wars, when I found out that another one was coming, another trilogy was coming, mm. uh, it was... It was really incredible, and I remember how much, how excited I was for it. 
I wasn't thinking about the CGI when I saw it. I wasn't thinking about the acting or the... I wasn't thinking about all of that stuff. I was thinking about the fact, wow, for the first time in my life, I'm sitting in a theater watching Star Wars on the big screen. I never thought there would be a day that I would see new Star Wars, and yet here I am. And so it was insanely powerful uh, then, and to this day it sticks with me as one of the most meaningful times of my life was when I got to see more Star Wars. Uh, and, you know, I mentioned in the beginning, you know, only one other Star Wars film has equaled that, that moment, and that was uh, The Force Awakens. You know, going in 2015, uh, 2015 was such a year for us, you know, it was the year we got married, it was the year uh, we relocated. Uh, so much was happening in 2015. And then to cap it all off, at the end of the year, we get to go see Star Wars with family, which then became a yearly tradition at Christmas for us. Um, and that was the first time in 10 years that Star Wars had really been in theaters. We got the Clone Wars TV show that was in theaters. I saw that in 2008. But, you know, uh, seven years later, we get a real Star Wars film. You know, and I don't want that to offend Clone Wars fans, but, you know, the Clone Wars is the Clone Wars, but to continue a story that we thought was done was something, again, I never thought I would get. Yeah. And so... A big reason I wasn't able to criticize or look down on The Force Awakens was just because I was in that moment again. You know, um, it was, let's see, what? It was almost, uh, it was six years, I can't remember the exact time. It was many years later <laughs> that I found myself yet again in that moment of, oh my gosh, I'm in a theater watching Star Wars. Yeah. I never thought this was going to happen again. And the death grip that you had on my hand the second you heard the opening titles. Oh yeah, I mean, from I, it, it, everything, yeah. it just became real as soon as I heard that, that opening crawl and that, that, that soundtrack start. So much, so... The Phantom Menace and The Force Awakens are special to me in amazing ways that I can't chalk up to somebody in a room doing. or I, like I can't make it about something that happened in the movie. It's just something that the movie did to me. It's something that the movie means to me that I can't help anyone else understand. If you didn't feel what I felt, I can't, I can't convince you to feel it, you know? Yeah. And the, only, the two times... I have ever seen you cry, I will say, at our wedding, and I when I looked over at you during The Force Awakens. I admit to one of those. John, I've seen pictures. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that was, it was a serious moment of emotion for me, and most of the times that I can chalk up getting publicly emotional come from Star Wars, yeah. um, from the films, from a moment, um, and, and such, you know, every, every bit of Star Wars has found a way to mean something to me that only it can mean to me, Yeah, you know, um, in such a way, you know, I mean, everything, it, it, it's so, 
special, yeah. you know, um, and um, this is going to be, you know, episode nine, no one can ruin for me, no one can mess that up for me, no one can make me ever hate that, Yeah. because that's going to be the first time I'm seeing Star Wars without my mom, and no one can tell me that that's not going to be something special, it, you know, it's one of those things where I'm going to be there and this has to mean something great to me because, you know, she'd been with me for everything else Star Wars. And so next year it, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be something special like it's always been because of that. And, and so, you know, The Phantom Menace is one of those things you can talk to me about bad acting and all this other stuff, but you can't take away on my birthday going and seeing that with my mom, and you can't take away getting Attack of the Clones as a birthday present from my mom, and you can't take away buying my first clone trooper in the aisle that's decorated for Revenge of the Sith with my mom. You can't take away those special moments that only I can have because of these crazy space wizard movies. Um, and so, 20 years ago, sitting in a theater with my mom and hearing that, you know, it's, it's special. It's special. I never thought that I'd get then, and every time I go see a Star Wars movie, every time I remember, wait, Solo's a thing, Rogue One is a thing, <laughs> Kylo Ren, Rey, all of these, these are things that exist, and I never thought it would happen. And, and so, um, yeah, it's, there's something special about more Star Wars. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, and if anything, that should make us, those things should make us better fans and better people to each other. Mm-hmm. Your experience with Star Wars is your experience. That does not take away anything from anyone else's experience. Mm -hmm. And we should keep that in mind when we're being critical. We should keep that in mind when <clears throat> when you get into arguments with people on Twitter because you didn't like a thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and that's one of those things. Like I said, like you know, when I go down the list of all the reasons I love the Last Jedi, there's a lot of reasons that I can share with you why I think you should like the Last Jedi. Yeah, because it's a great movie. When none of that works, the only thing I have left is to say, I love it because it's the last time I saw Star Wars with my mom. You know, like, I can't translate that to anyone. Yeah. But when, when, not, when, when all else fails, when I've gone down all the list of reasons why I love Star Wars, there's always that that's left. Because it's special to me. And, and, and that's something, like... You know, of all the things that I could list that I love about The Phantom Menace and Star Wars, the one thing that I can list, that I think all of us can list and it would be different, is that it's special because, you know, insert here. And so, it, you know, it, it's one of those things. And, and most people, had I not shared, would never understand that. Most people would just trash on The Last Jedi because it's a bad movie to them and all this other stuff, and never understand how it's special to me and you know that it's one of those times when we have to remember 
that other people have other experiences and other people think other things uh, because we're all different and have different experiences and so forth and so on. So, yeah, you know, we could all do with extending our stuff, extending ourselves a little bit yeah. to be considerate to others. Use that Jedi empathy training. Yeah, and just <laughs> hey, realize that if this person loves this thing, they probably have a good reason. And heck, even if they don't, what does it take away from you if they enjoy the Phantom Menace or the sequel trilogy or no. How does whatever? it negatively affect your life if someone likes a thing? Now, if it's illegal or immoral, yes. that's a whole different <laughs> question. Don't, don't. But <laughs> don't in this get, moment, we're talking about Star Wars. Yeah, don't get technical with me. But when we're talking about Star Wars, someone liking the holiday special does not take away from your ability to enjoy life. You know what? B. Arthur's great. I love B. Arthur. Exactly. There you go. And, arguably, she was the first LGBT Star Wars character. I know I know. Aphra gets a lot of credit and more recent editions, but she was arguably the first established L LGBT character, I think. Yeah. So, And even if that's not true, it's still something meaningful. And, yeah. and, and it's one of those things, you know, it's the same thing of, I mean, we talked about it with uh, Loan Tran, you know, criticizing her and her character and her representation because you don't like a character. You know, you don't realize how you might be breaking the heart of someone who for the first time saw themselves in that character. And it's like, you know, is it really worth it? Yeah. Is it really worth it to dislike something so much that you break someone's heart and you take away that one special thing you know, and I don't. I don't <clears throat> think so. I don't think so because it's all fake and in space, as special as it all is. Yeah. Um, and so, but anyway, emotions aside, yeah, does not compute. What are emotes? Yeah. Um, yeah, we talk about. You know, that's the only time you've seen. I've seen you cry. You've seen me cry several times. All the time. <laughs> Literally <laughs> five seconds ago. <laughs> uh, and that was my fault. But thanks, John. You're welcome. I'm good at that. Um, so, but anyway, uh, so that's our list. Uh, that's our ten things we love. And, and I'm sorry if it got uh, a, a little personal there at the ending. But I'm not. that's because Star Wars is personal for me. Star, you know, if, if, if anything, hopefully this adds perspective of why we care so much about this is because we both have these memories and these special moments uh, that have less to do with Star Wars but how we enjoyed them. And how we experienced them and, and yeah. whatnot. And, and so uh, it's hard not for that not to be the number one thing all the time is just because it's special, because it's Star Wars. So yeah. let us know um, what are some of your favorite things about The Phantom Menace. Not ne necessarily ranked or anything, but um, yeah, did we touch on something that you just absolutely love? Uh, did we not mention something? that you, you love. Um, you know, certainly I would have loved to talk more about Ahmed Best and, and, and some um, other characters and aspects like Natalie Portman. Oh, um, Natalie I would have, Portman. There's so much. Uh, and that's the... I mean, you know, we did not expect to be here with you guys talking about The Phantom Menace for almost three hours. And yet here we are. And I don't feel bad about it because it's awesome. It's so great to be able to do this, and, and the, the beauty of podcasting is that you can pause anytime and come back, you can listen at your leisure and all that good stuff, so hopefully you enjoyed it, 
Again, let us know what your favorite things are. Megan. Yeah. Moo. My yeah. lovely Moo. Do we have some A's for Q's and Q's for A's? Yes, my love, we do. Yay. Let's do that. If we didn't, you would be going down a path that I can't follow. That's Lord of the Rings. That's... Mm-hmm. That's Star Wars. Oh, you're right. Don't go where I can't follow, Mr. Frodo. Oh, that's... That's Lord of the Rings. Rings. Very similar. Very similar. Don't pull an Anakin on me. (laughs) Oh, wait. Yeah. Lava Mountain. (laughs) And Andy Serkis. Oh, gosh. Uh, Anyway. Anyway, if you ever... Here's an A. Yeah. Okay, so, this week, we asked you guys, who was your favorite Imperial? Um, Mine is Sun Tzu. He was... <laughs> Imperial officer. Oh, no. Like, like I was Star thinking Wars Imperial Empire. China. No. Okay. Uh, so, Rebecca said Thrawn. Good one. Mm-hmm. Big blue boy. Mm-hmm. Um, ben Brophy said Krennic. Can't say his name anyway. Anyway, other than he has such a Krennic. good. Yeah. Well, I mean, he just. He's got a good evil voice name. Yeah, he's got. Yeah, he's got. He's In, just got a good name. Yeah, he's got a good Krennic. evil name. Yeah. Duck Newton. No. Um, whether you're saying Krennic or Director Krennic or Orson Krennic, all of it just sounds like, yeah. ooh. Leon K also said Krennic. Mm-hmm. You'll stand here among my accomplishments. Oh, I love, love that it. so much. This, and then uh, seeing this guy talk in interviews, at, like, he's out so of He's so sweet. He's, I was going to say he's so goofy. He is so he goofy is sweet. and sweet. Like, he's so not Krennic. Yeah. So, it it blows my... It's like with Gerard Butler. Anytime he's just Gerard Butler. Yes. Like, every time Gerard Butler is just Gerard Butler, I'm reminded that Gerard Butler exists, and it's nothing like I expect. he's a beautiful human being. Like... I love him so much. When you look at him, and you see him in most of his scenes, he's usually so rough and gruff and and all this other stuff. And then you talk to him, and he's just like a big, goofy bear. And it's just like, what? If you've never seen... Jerry Butler being himself in a beautiful way. Look up Craig Ferguson. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh my goodness! They are so funny. He's just so funny. It's, it's so fun. My my point is, it's so wacky to me yeah. when I see guys that you you establish in such a character type or yeah. or with a specific character. Yeah. And then, like, okay, for instance, you you mentioned you know this is Sparta Leonidas. You 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 think of Leonidas in like. Yeah, okay. Gerard Butler fits that. He's probably he's probably rough and gruff. No, he's Boy's not. Boy's got abs on his abs. But he but yeah. looks alone. That's yeah. all he's got. Yeah, and then you his get, character totally different. Yeah, and then you get people like Chris Evans, who is Captain America. Exactly. <laughs> you cannot tell me that Chris Evans does not dress up in tights at night and saves the galaxy. Dresses up in tights during the day. Um, then you get like Eddie Redmayne, who is just playing himself in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Him. He's so precious. He is such a Hufflepuff. Um, and you got um, Ezra... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller. As um, the Flash. It, he was the only good thing about Justice League. And that was just because he was being uh, Ezra Miller. Yeah, I love Ezra Like, Miller the whole so time much. he was geeking geeking out about all the other heroes. Yeah. Like, that wasn't in the script. <laughs> I mean, it probably was, but basically they were like, hey, Ezra's so great, let's just yeah. e- let Ezra be Ezra. It's one of those things, like, there's some actors where, in some movies, where, like, you don't think that they got a script, the director just said, go. 
Yeah, and it's like Ezra Miller probably was like, can I get a bunny suit? No. Uh, Hedwig, thank you. Um, Rural farm boy Anthony said, Commander Praji? Yeah. Yay, I did it right. Mm -hmm. I don't know who that that is. is. (laughs) (laughs) So you know that scene in A New Hope when an officer comes out and tells Darth Vader that an escape pod got away? Yeah. That's Commander Praji. Uh, he does get extensive coverage in Legends, though. Okay. And yeah. the um, the actor for him is a very nice dude too. Huh. So I can see I can see why he'd be a favorite um, from from the original trilogy. It's pretty. It's just one of those fancy lesser knowns. It's nice to get attention on some of the lesser known cool guys. Yeah. John. Yes. Who's your favorite Imperial? Uh. Because, in my mind, Thrawn is not technically fully Imperial. Yeah, because I, he's uh, in it for his peoples. Pretty much. Uh, we'll read more about that in July. Uh, but, yeah, so in my mind, and in my headcanon, because he's not 100% Imperial, he's disqualified for me, which only leaves, like, five other people. Oh, I thought about this, and... It's killing me. I thought I would have known. Because you mentioned a certain someone when we were talking. Oh my gosh. Okay, so in my head, there's Ray Sloan. Uh, There's Governor Price. There's Moff Tarkin. But because he's so new and managed to make me love him almost as much if not more than the others I probably have to say Krennic dang it John you took my answer <laughs> uh, I love Krennic so much <laughs> it was such a revolving door like as this as this merit if you don't know often we ask you guys questions and we're like uh, I know my answer <laughs> and then and then we don't uh, yeah because we marinate on it so much, I've been revolving, like, all of those characters yeah. in my head. And But one that kept going back was the fact that Krennic has so much less than most other characters. Mm-hmm. And yet has made me love them um, as much. You know you know what? I'll give you Krennic and I'll take Ivan Versio, actually. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I do love Krennic I so love much. Ivan Versio. Even though she turns... When she's an Imperial, she's an Imperial I could follow. Yeah. She and Ray Sloan would have gotten along very well, I think. Yeah. I would have loved that. I think that, um, Krennic is such a, he's such a masthead of the Empire's arrogance. Mm. Of, you know, we can't be beaten. Look at the big ship we've got. Mm. It's the size of a planet. Well, I then, did that. <laughs> well, and then that's what you feel so bad for him. Yeah. Because Moff just basically says, no, and this is my toy. I'm sorry, did the Emperor just walk in? <laughs> Where did you come from, Papa Palpatine? Uh, but yeah, you like, I felt so bad. And especially when you read, um, when you read Catalyst, where it talks more leading up to Rogue One, you know, you get a lot more of that back and forth where you're just like, Oh, we know that Moff gets it from him, but it's like you want him to succeed. You want Krennic yeah. to succeed and be happy because that's all Krennic wants for Krennic. 
I know, right? Oh, but anyway. Yeah. Krennic yes. got a bad rap. Love, love Krennic. Yeah. Um, and then you pair Krennic up with the Imperial Suite from the Rogue One soundtrack, Ugh. and boom, you got you it's got so an awesome beautiful. sandwich. But Iden Versio, um, my gosh, I want more of Iden during her Imperial days because mm-hmm. we've gotten quite a bit of her Rebel days and and all that stuff. So yeah. I've seen her as a good guy. I love her as a good guy. I support her as a good guy. But I also want to support her as an Imperial because she convinced me. You know, um, she's she's a great model of someone who grows up thinking only the best of the Empire. And it's so it's such it's so interesting. Yeah. A lot of the Empire know they're the bad guys and accept that because they enjoy throwing their power around. Aiden's one of those that enjoys the Empire because she's reaped the benefits of what the what she believes the Empire can do. Of course, she, in her little box, yeah, she's receiving the best, but not everyone that's under the Imperial banner benefits the way she does. And yeah. so, uh, it's such, uh, just interesting. Very, very interesting. Yeah. And also, if we were talking about the First Order in that, I would have said Hux, but we're not. I love Hux. Yeah. I identify he's, with Hux. <laughs> he's precious and, 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 and whatnot. I enjoy his little temper tantrums, but wins. Well, that's what I like about Krennic, too, is he yells so much. Oh, so much. It's like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I was an Imperial, I'd be Krennic. You would. Except I wouldn't let my death laser get taken from me, because I'd be blowing stuff up. Yeah. Oh, and that last scene of Rogue One, where he's just, like, staring at the Death Star as it's charging up. Oh! It's like, good job. Good job. You look so good. You look so... Oh my gosh, you're blowing me up. Wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And has there ever been a more ultimate... uh, Karmic. Yeah, I guess karma's a good way to put it. Uh, Well, not karma. It's it's a big... It's a big... Neener, neener. Uh, (laughs) It's the only appropriate way I can say it. Uh, It's a big neener, neener from... (laughs) Tarkin. There is another word, but you can't say it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, has there ever been another like it in all of Star Wars? Like, not only am I taking your weapon, but I'm blowing you up with it. Yeah, it's a good heck you. Right. Yeah. It's there like, you go. oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm doing you a heckin' concern right now. <laughs> <laughs> heckin' neener neener. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before we get off on even more of a tangent, because yeah. this is a long episode. Uh, we also asked you guys, what is your favorite part about The Phantom Menace? Uh, John Hale, fanc- fancy man, very smart man, said Darth Maul. Yes. Very smart man. Uh, Jeremy McCracken, I was, what's crackalackin'? I almost spoke up, because I was like, wait, you know that's not Jonathan Hale, right? Because, yes. Because, because you were talking, I was like, wait, do you yes, know? Yes, I know, wait, no. I know. <laughs> we, we have a friend named Jonathan Hale. Yeah. Yeah. But. You interrupted but my But you nickname. are a friend of, of, of of John Howe because of your mutual love of the, the Darth boy. You got a friend in me, John. Not you. Oh, the other John. Yes. Yeah, we're not friends. <laughs> there can only be one! Uh-huh. What was that? <laughs> you interrupted my sick nickname. Okay. Yeah. McCrackalackin? So, McCrackalackin no. said that he loves the pod race scene. That was Jeremy McCracken. And yes, I am with you, Jeremy. Yeah. I am with you. Uh, Tyler Reyes... Reyes? Reyes, Reyes. Reyes? Correct us on Twitter. Or yes. Facebook. Well, Facebook. Um, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll point out, all of the answers for this one came from Facebook. 
All of the answers for the other one came from Twitter. Nobody answered the first question on Facebook, but nobody answered the second question on Twitter. It was so weird. <laughs> that shows you the dichotomy of social media. Yeah. Um, Tyler said, The lore and the prophecy of the Chosen One. Mm. You're going to really enjoy our episode when we talk about that. I don't know when, because you won't tell me. Uh, somewhere in season three, so I think that happens in the beginning of March. March on. Uh, Jim Gallant, Jim Gallant Galahad said, basically all of the Padme, but specifically mentioned her reaction to Qui-Gon betting on the pod race and her Scooby-Doo plan to retake the palace. I didn't think it was a Scooby-Doo plan. I thought it was rather brilliant. She was 14 years old and she was trying. She is a pilot, you know. But I do agree with the first one. Yes. Padme, Padme Her reactions is are fantastic. Padme is so wonderful. We and love she Padme. Is, yes. And then, you know, Natalie Portman just... I, I mean, and... She, she was, was young. so young! And... Like... Just amazing work, definitely. Yeah. definitely. Talking... Her, listening to her talk about, like, in the... Behind the scenes of... Uh, Attack of the Clones, where she's like, oh, I finally got past 18, so... You know, like, I was... You were... You were how old? Yep. You're a baby. <laughs> yep. Everyone was a baby in Phantom Menace. Yeah. I think she turned 18 just before she, Attack of the Clones. I think she may have. Yeah. Seriously. She's a toddler. In these I don't films. know about that, but yeah, she was young. <laughs> she was... Yeah, that, yeah. It made it more meaningful, definitely, though. Yeah. Like, we have a friend who's only a few years younger than I am, and I still call him Baby Hagen. Because he's, he's, oh, yeah. he's a baby. Well, that's because he's got such a round face, though. He does. And he tried to grow a beard to cover some of it up, but yeah, I'm just like, work. no, honey. Yeah, it didn't work. It <laughs> you, never works. You look like you went to the barber shop and put some glue on your face and uh. rolled around. <laughs> no, honey. Poor Hagen. Well, oh. we, we also have a friend who's older than us and can't grow a beard. <laughs> yeah. He's, the guy that did our marriage counseling couldn't grow a beard. Yeah, he's like 30... <laughs> 38? He's 38 now, I think. Something like that. I don't know. And he, if you can't grow a beard, don't. That's okay. <laughs> grow a mustache. Or do that. If you can't grow facial hair in general, that's okay. That we're not saying it's not okay. If you can grow a Hulk stash, grow a Hulk stash. A what? A Hulk stash. Oh, like Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All if, right. Anyway. If you can grow hair like Macho Man Randy Savage, I'll be your best friend. Um. What's your answer, John? I think we just gave our answer. Did we? <laughs> I thought we did answer. Oh yeah. Well yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, if you if you would like our answers, listen uh, to the podcast. Re replay this episode. Yeah. Um, I I will definitely say that those who commented, I agreed with, uh, for sure. Yeah. So. And you asked us questions too. Well, one uh, of you. We we asked you. Oh no wait yeah yeah they asked us never mind Don't I'll let you do me. your job. Sorry. Don't correct me. You stand here among my podcast. No, you don't. It was your idea. It's our podcast. It's no, it wasn't. It was your idea. I agreed to your idea. Yeah, but true. it was your idea. Yeah, it's our podcast. Uh, Maria down in the valley asked, "Which Star Wars do you like the most, including the standalones?" Uh, so she's asking about the Disney's. Um, the Disney's. Yes. Well, that's what she means by ST sequel trilogy. Oh, gotcha. Um, I thought that meant Star Wars. Uh, I like all of it. The I you know the one I like most definitively would be the Last Jedi. Second yeah. to that would be Solo. Mm. 
Um, you know, I, I really loved Solo. Um, mm-hmm. So if I had to rank it, it would be Last Jedi, Solo, yeah. Rogue One, and then uh, The Force Awakens. All, all of them have been amazing. Um, it's been quite an impeccable run of films, and, and I'm not surprised from Disney, but uh, yeah, definitely the, I think the one I've loved the most, and ha- obviously, as I mentioned, has the most meaning would be The Last Jedi. Yeah. Now, um, I, I will say, Rogue One and Solo can swap, depending on how I feel that day. Because <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, like, when I'm feeling especially nostalgic for the original trilogy, I either watch uh, Empire Strikes Back or Rogue One. Um, but on most occasions, I'll say Solo is one I I've enjoyed rewatching quite a lot. But it's also because it came out recently, so it's kind of one of those things where it's a little bit more on my mind. It's hard to think that Rogue One came out two years ago. Star Wars on my mind. <laughs> so if it wasn't clear with my limb, yeah, the Last Jedi. Yeah. Um. You know what? I'm gonna flip it. I love Rogue One. So much. Mm-hmm. The characters, the story, all fantastic. Father daughter relationships will always get me because and I'm a daddy. It helps that girl. it's Hannibal. Exactly. That helps very much. <laughs> I didn't watch Hannibal until after I saw Rogue One, though. Really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I only started watching Hannibal in the last year. Oh, well, interesting. And it has quickly become one of my favorite shows. Hmm. Um, you know, Matt Nicholson's brother is the one who plays Thrawn, the voice of Thrawn in Rebels. He told me that. That's so crazy. I know, right? Like, the the Mickelson brothers are just... They're, they're getting their hedge on the market, man. Yeah. Also, I don't care what people think Mads Mickelson is hot. Um, and then I would go The Last Jedi. Just because of, like, how... Ugh. It was so beautiful, and it was so, like, nostalgic. Mm. And it being, you know, Carrie Fisher's last movie. Mm. Oh yeah, that's oh. always gonna have. It was so special. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna always. Every time, you know, rewatching it and everything, and, you know, we we talked yeah. recently about Carrie Fisher in the sense of, you know, it's crazy to think, um, that that's that's that, you know, that's it. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's always gonna be be special in that sense. Yeah, but. The story doesn't end there. No. We have, you know, daughters in the future. We'll have sons that we get to be like, that's Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. That's General Leia Organa. Yep, that's the lady you should want to be like and the lady you should want to marry. Exactly. Ugh. I'm not going to cry again. It's, it's <laughs> Not twice in one episode. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm emotionally exhausted. So... Um, Maria down in the valley also asked, "What do you love most about Star Wars Resistance?" So, I am a few episodes behind. Yeah, I am um, very behind. Now, the difficult thing um, with keeping up with Resistance for us is it's such a uh, it's such a it's a what am I? What's the word I'm trying to say? It's such a setup because we don't have cable so yeah when, when we need to get it we have to sit down um with our ipad and and log in 
a special way to get through to that and all this other stuff. Basically, we can't just sit down and turn it on. It's it's a bit of setup, and so at times with everything we got going on, personal and work, we uh, we've made it happen, and then we haven't made it happen, and so forth and so on. So we're about about three episodes back. I've been keeping up with the highlight reels. I appreciate that from Star Wars. That helps me at least get what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, nonetheless, what has remained my favorite so far, and I think won't change regardless of how we move forward, is just the fact that we're getting that world building in this era that we've only seen through films so far. You know, there's not a whole lot in this uh, period of time that hasn't involved just resistance, first order, you know, straightforward battlings, you know, all this other stuff. You know, this is, first of all, very different. This, you know, I mean, we have had pod racing, but to have ship-to-ship racing, Mm -hmm. that whole concept is so new and interesting, and it's showing us a perspective of of uh, the galaxy at that time that we haven't seen mm-hmm. yet. And so I appreciate that while it's happening alongside those major events of the Resistance versus the First Order, you know, Phasma shows up and Poe shows up and General Leia shows up and all this other stuff. Even in spite of that, it still feels like it's only on the fringe of that. It's not tied to the major battle. It's not like the Clone Wars where you're literally in the war and it's not like Rebels where you're building up to the war, it's 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 very on the edge of it all. And that edge is filled with such colorful characters and interesting moments. Uh, new characters. I, I love hyped Phazon. I love Niku. You know, su- such crazy and fun moments and characters that we would, would have drowned out with the big conflict yeah. and the big stuff. So it's nice to step back and see something new and different and and build out this time. You know, because once episode 9 ends, there's going to be just an explosion of stuff during this period. Yeah. There's going to be so many more stories that are going to come through and everything. And so um, until we get to that point, I'm very thankful for what Resistance is doing now to give us that. Two words, John. What? Possible Bothan. And Matt, I will say this, Matt Martin on Twitter, who works with the storyboard group, kind of but did not completely say no. So. That's sad. Yeah. That's it's, beans. He basically said, it's very Bothan-like, but I've never, I didn't interpret it as a Bothan. He's on the storyboard group, so I don't, I don't, I don't it, that, yeah, maybe. I demand, there might still be a glimmer of hope, but... I demand word from Kathleen Kennedy herself. <laughs> from the president herself. Yeah, give me a um, prezi. Uh, yeah, who knows? It, It'd be interesting. I love it if just the <laughs> the effect it has had on Twitter. <laughs> like, I love oh, it yeah. so much. Even people that don't like Resistance, I think we're even like, wait, what? Bothan? What? Uh, How so, many? Right. Are they all dead? Uh, that's the true test of a Bothan. Is it dead? <laughs> it's like, no, it's it's alive. Okay, not a Bothan. Clearly not a Bothan. That is not a Bothan. Did you hear about the time that I sent Bothans to get me a cup of coffee? How many died? All of them. Oh, All wow. dead. Wow. 
last time yeah. I send Bothan to do anything. Uh, that's not my joke, by the way. No, uh, it's not. It is. <laughs> but it's very my much not. favorite joke. Uh, I love it so much. But, There's a anyway. Meow. Hopefully, uh, you've enjoyed this long, long, long episode. We certainly, uh, I mean, obviously enjoyed recording it. Went more off the cuff than I think we expected, but I don't think you can't admit it was good conversation and hopefully you stuck it out with us whether that be in one sitting or multiple if you did it all in one sitting then bravo proud of you yeah and uh, if you didn't stick with us you're a scrub <laughs> but feel free to make use of those timestamps. um just in closing a reminder of the patreon christmas giveaway remember that just follow us or support us on patreon there for an entry into the giveaway contest you can also go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rate and review that will get you entered in for that uh, for that contest as well. Remember to check out those Amazon links. Uh, a discounted trial of Audible with two free books. We really recommend the Thrawn books. If you don't like the Audible version, you can get the physical copies as well or the original trilogy of Thrawn books. It's all good reads no matter what you get uh win-win and then um next week we're looking forward to coming at you with a look ahead a look into the future a glimpse into the future of the force as we try to uh theorize and and, and discuss our hopes for all of the stuff maybe not all of it but most of the stuff coming in 2019 everything from episode 9 to the mandalorian to the book Master and Apprentice, all that great stuff. We're going to talk about a little bit of everything and uh, discuss what we hope for. And then, yeah. as always, we want to hear from you on that, too. But you'll have to come back next Wednesday for that. Yeah, you can In look the... forward to ridiculous and serious. Yes, all of it. But we'll try and be as responsible as possible with our speculation. Guess who's going to be um, who? This week, nonetheless, we do want to hear from you. What What are your favorite things of The Phantom Menace? Um, thanks for sticking out. Thanks for your support. Uh, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Patreon, all that good stuff. Have an awesome rest of your week until we're back at you on Friday with the Clone Wars rewatch. I have been your herd leader, John Wayne. And I've been your herd mom, Megan. Stay scruffy. Bye. And may the force Bye. be with you.